Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Silva and Gold. Coming to the ring from parts unknown at a combined weight of 853 pounds, Piccolo and Dr. Zong. Episode 7, Silva and Gold. We are here. We are... Uh, I'm not going there. I am loaf. I am full of double shot latte and beef empanadas. This could get ugly. With me, Dr. Zom. I am not full of anything now. Because I took care of business before we got on, <laughs> on the air. As just, I was just pontificating to Master Loaf. The King of Swing, the Ayatollah, a rock and roller, the Tower of Power, too sweet. Let me tell you, I have been wrestling, not in the fun wrestling. I've been doing some very poor, not fun wrestling with iTunes on a network drive for the last hour and a half. And it has put me in a foul mood. Foul. Foul. Mood. Like a bird? I was already in a foul mood because as a Red Sox fan, I'm reminded year after year <laughs> that uh, us fans and the team don't have always have the best of luck. And within what seemed like 10 seconds of each other last night, the Red Sox lost a game. The Rays somehow won a game. Red Sox are out. I don't like it. That's why I like being a Pirates fan, because they are generally out before even midseason. Before (laughs) the season starts, they're out. So I have no delusions of grandeur. (sighs) Ah, What you gonna do? Those bastards don't make me any money. Yeah, that's that's true. So, I mean, you know, at least I have more time to watch movies now. I have more time to watch movies now for the next couple weeks while teams that I could give a shit about are playing baseball. That's 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 the man's distraction. See, they put that stuff out there to distract you from the real problems of the real world so they can continue their domination of us as we lay in a vat of goo and rubber. And... No. <laughs> so yeah. Talk about that. So speaking of that, this is our uh, outside the cinema chosen episode. Oops. They pro- they programmed a, a couple movies for us. Um, it's our, um, I guess, a cyberpunk double feature, or what yeah. the fuck Japan double feature. Uh, we have 1989's Tetsuo the Iron Man and 1996's Rubba's Lover. I am Iron Man. So uh, before we get into that, as per our usual, we will talk about what we've been watching this week. I think Zom's got a hefty list, as usual, and me, me. not so much. Me. Well, I, I kind of figured that you might not be doing, not be watching as much, so I kind of stepped it up. I appreciate that. Actually, I didn't. It's about the same. <laughs> uh, 
The first movie that I watched was a movie that I have on VHS. I started to watch it a couple times over the years and for some reason never got a chance to finish it. And it looked fairly interesting, interesting. And it's called Behind the Lines with uh, uh, Jonathan Price and Johnny Lee Miller. And uh, Johnny Lee Miller was, I think, the first husband of Angelina Jolie. And um, so anyway... Um, it's pretty good. It takes place in uh, World War One. Jonathan Price is a, a psychiatrist or psychiatrist, and um, Johnny Lee Miller is a. Um, is he, a, is a, he an, an alropist? Um, wait a minute, I'm picking my nose. I'm actually I'm rubbing. My, I have like a hair. Well, I'm gonna get it. Wait a minute. <clears throat> Make a wish. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> he is like a. Uh, very decorated um an alropist soldier oh soldier, and sorry. he he um is known as mad jack for killing the hun and uh going out and like seeking them out and killing them but then he kind of t- writes this big like anti-war letter mm-hmm. so the the man the government um they're like okay well we really can't we don't want to court martial this guy but what are we going to do? How can we spin this? Because we've he's got we've given him all this publicity about being this great hero, so they send him to this um, this uh, mental hospital, and they're going to try and prove that he's insane. And they basically tell Jonathan Price, uh, "Look, you're going to prove that he's insane, whether he is or not." So it's it's pretty interesting. I, I liked it. Um, it's a bit heavy. It's a bit bit heavy. It's all right. Uh, the next movie I watched was uh, Requiem for a Heavyweight. There are no ass-to-ass double dildos in this one. It's Requiem for a Heavyweight, not a dream. <laughs> even though Anthony Quinn and Jackie Gleason <laughs> and maybe even Mickey Rooney with a triple-headed dildo. That is would, a dream. Uh, that'd be interesting. Yes. And a dream. Uh, <laughs> those are some heavyweights there, except for Mickey Rooney. Um, it does have Anthony Quinn, um, Jackie Gleason, Mickey Rooney, and... Um, this is a damn good movie, and I guess I kind of had a little Jackie Gleason fest um, as I'm looking at my list. Uh, most of the stuff that I remember him in, of course, The Honeymooners and uh, Smokey and the Bandit, and I forgot that he was in this movie, and he's he's really good. I mean, he's a good actor. Um, this is not in any way a comedy, and he does a good job. And Mickey Rooney is one of the ones that was always... <laughs> When he was really young, he played the real lighthearted, young kind of, I don't know, trying to think who I would compare him to, modern day guy. I don't know. But anyway, he was it was more like just kind of fluff roles. And then when he got really older and he was a, I'm a big star. I was the biggest star in the world. Uh, I, I didn't like him when he got really old. But in this, he's really good because he's, in the, he's a tweener. He's middle-aged, middle-aged. Um, so it's a good movie. Um, next one was Grand Canyon. I hadn't seen that in a long time. It was on In Demand, and it stars um, Danny Glover, uh, Kevin Klein, and uh, Steve Martin. And um, it's a pretty good movie. Um, it's I think Lawrence Kasdan uh, was the the main man, and it's got several different stories going on at the same time. Has a nice message. Sometimes it seems a little, maybe a little heavy-handed, or I don't know. But I still like it after watching it. It's got a, it's got a nice story. 
you know, sometimes you need something that's uplifting. You don't need all this, uh, you know, rubber and whatever. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> okay, moving right along, daddy-o. <laughs> um, and I still have a little bit of a cough, so uh, my, I'm going to hit my cough button. <coughs> okay, there we go. Cough button was hit. I bought a new, um, a new thing with a cough button. Okay. It worked really uh, well. It yeah. sounded exactly like a cough. <laughs> Sound like a cough. I said, scratching my nuts while I was doing that. And I didn't want you to hear the denim going. Um, the next one, <laughs> um, Johnny Guitar, uh, starring one of our perennial favorites, Sterling Hayden. And uh, this movie, see, it's got uh, Joan Crawford, see, and it was directed by Nicholas Ray, see. Um, I like this movie. Um, and if I go um a couple more times and like a couple more times, I'm going to drive myself mad. Joan Crawford, there's something crazy about her that that attracts me. Like she kind of has crazy eye, big crazy eyes, and she does look like she could really like um, chew on some carpet, mm-hmm. uh, whatever. <laughs> Which is kind of a a turn on after reading Hollywood Babylon. Um, Sterling Hayden is great. He's a piece of wood, but he's still, you know, he's with the chin and he's like, uh, what's your name, stranger? Johnny. <laughs> Guitar. And they're like, you know, that's no name. <laughs> Neither is the dancing kid. So it had Johnny Guitar and the dancing kid, and Joan Crawford's kind of a gunslinger, and she's tougher than all the all the uh, guys in the old west and everything. Ernest Borgnine's in there, and it's got like a chick that's kind of has like a um, almost like a little uh, you know you talk a homoerotic uh, kind of a thing with Joan mm-hmm. Crawford, but she also likes the dancing kid, and Johnny Guitar's there playing his guitar, and he does a better. Uh, Sterling Hayden does a better job of playing fake playing guitar than Eddie Wilson from Eddie and the Cruisers, but I like that movie <laughs> for some reason. I just I love it. I love that movie. Um, my Jackie Gleason fest continued with Smokey and the Bandit. Nice. Um, that was I was sick and it was on Movieplex. I was still sick even after the last podcast. I uh, went through the whole weekend um, and was even sick on Monday, but I'm getting better. Um, Jackie Gleason. I haven't seen this movie in my God, I don't know so many years. And I think for the longest time, the only time that I saw it was on TV. Yeah. So a lot of the cussing and stuff, I never, <laughs> you know, I still thought it was funny, but it, had, it was all edited. But now I got to hear Jackie Gleason swear a lot, which Henry played his son was just fucking hilarious because I remember him from the Green Berets uh, where he was always, and he was an ex-football player, NFL football player. And um, he was in the Green Berets. He played Tarzan at one time and the fucking chimp. <laughs> when he played Tarzan, like attacked him and like bit his face and shit in real life. So, uh, but Mike Henry was good. Uh, you know, daddy, you know, uh, uh, look at that mean alligator along the road. And Jackie Gleason kind of gives the, uh, that reminds me, I need to call your mother tonight. Um, so he, that was good. He, uh, that, the editing of the, of the profanity, I'm pretty sure that's where I originally heard the edit, um, slug in a ditch. For, for son yes. of a bitch, I'm pretty sure yes. it came from that one. And uh, you know, Jerry Reed was just awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, Sally Field was just she was hot in that one. I mean, she just had that 
something that girl next door sexuality or whatever and she was really hot bert uh was was good i hate that fake fucking laugh (laughs) (laughs) it's so fakey i mean it is unbelievably fakey to the point where if he if i was saying something and he laughed like that i'd be like fuck you you know, because you can just tell it's it's so fake, but the movie's still good. The stunts are good. It's it's a lot of fun uh, watching that one. But much like a couple of weeks ago when I watched Fletch, and it was followed by Fletch Two, Ooh. this was followed by Smokey and the Bandit Two Part D, and I watched it because I had only seen that one time. I think there was like a th- maybe a three or four year. Uh, span between the mega hit Smokey and the Bandit. This thing was a huge hit. And people couldn't wait. Oh, my God, they're making Smokey and the Bandit Part 2. And Hal Needham, you know, wrote it and directed it and everything, and it pretty much had the same cast. But, boy, did they screw the pooch. And I don't know why they went so far out of their way to make it so stupid. Um, It had some good points. Like, Jackie Gleason still had some really funny lines. Uh, Mike Henry was still good as his stupid son. Uh, Sally Fields... I guess this is her and Bert had been together for a while. So for some reason, she just didn't look as good to me. I don't know why. When she first shows up, she's dressed kind of sexy. And, but it was it, the storyline was just stupid. She, she had, was, was going to marry Junior again, which didn't make any sense at all. <laughs> um, Bo, who is, you know, of course, Bert Reynolds, um, he became so famous for some reason that he became this legend. And he was going to be a music star, and he became. And so he sold like he said he sold. He they they cut seventy five records, and they were going to sell them at Walmart for or give them away at Walmart for any purchase over a dollar. And he still had seventy four left. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, that's it was just and the, the fucking elephant and stuff. It was just so stupid. It was not. <laughs> it, it it was it was bad. But I was surprised that it did have enough funny stuff in it to keep me watching because when we went when I went and saw this in the theater when it first came out and everybody was all excited I remember my mom and dad and everybody were just like that was fucking horrible and I never watched it again until now it's weird I think I've only seen part one and three I don't recall seeing I've never seen the one with the elephant but I know I know I've seen three well, three was on after two, but I had taken so much medication that I've, I had conked out. I, I couldn't watch it. Uh, I caught glimpses of it as I came out of my blur, right. you know, and the syringe was still stuck in my you know, whatever. <laughs> anyway, uh, the next one was uh, The Coconuts with the Marx Brothers from 1929. Cool. Um, I always loved the Marx Brothers. My little dog's name was Groucho. Uh, rest in peace, Groucho. You know, I'm going to start crying right now. Honest to God. Anyway, <laughs> um, I always love them. This is this is a really early movie of theirs, and it just amazes me. And someday, because you're just a young whippersnapper, you're going to get this way too. Like I said about Michael Pere and uh, uh, Diane Lane, how sometimes when I would watch them in the movie, when I was young, I didn't think anything of it. Now I watch them, and I think, God, they look like kids. Yeah. The Marx Brothers were so young in this movie. I was looking at Groucho, and I was like, Jesus Christ, he looks like a kid. Yeah. Uh, but this was a really good one. Had that rapid fire, you know, just bam, 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 delivery, you know, uh, repertoire uh, between, like, um, Groucho and um, Chico. 
and it had some musical numbers. Um, I'm not big on like uh, I like when they do the musical numbers and they have the dance dance things and stuff because it's spectacular and they don't usually do that kind of stuff these days. But you know, it had a lot. Of, it seemed like it had a lot of them, and sure. I wanted to fast forward. I'll admit it. I wanted to to go through that to get back to the comedy. Um, and I remember as a kid, Harpo kind of sometimes creeped me out. I don't know why, because I think I felt sorry for him or something, or I thought it was weird <laughs> that he couldn't speak, and he had this crazy look on his face. And there was there was a one scene where he was continually uh, stealing as as he talked to this guy. He and Groucho talked to this guy. He continually kept stealing this guy's uh, handkerchief, mm-hmm. and. Groucho would be talking, and there were several times that I I missed it. I didn't even see him do it. And then when I saw that what he was doing, I kept trying to watch him because the guy would put it in different pockets, and he would get it every fucking time. It was good. Uh, it's a good movie. Uh, next one was Sideways with Paul Giamatti uh, and Thomas Hayden Church, and one of my perennial favorites, uh, Virginia Madsen. Ooh. I loved her, and I still <laughs> – she is – you talk about somebody who aged well. But back in the now, this is Virginia Madsen as you know the older Virginia Madsen, and she looks great. And but man, when she was young, Jesus age Christ, she was a hot mama. Um, I like this movie. I don't know anything about wine. I'm not a drinker or anything. But still, it made it interesting. It's all. It wasn't like any kind of documentary or anything. But you know, if somebody told me, hey, they made a movie about these guys that like go to this wine tasting and stuff but it was still good uh thomas hayden church was hilarious in this yeah, and you got yeah. to see a uh, swamp thing from uh, con air completely naked running down the street <laughs> with his stuff jiggling and uh, not just not his small penis but like lots of fat and stuff jiggling <laughs> which was hilarious uh the next one was a uh classic the avengers with uh rafe fines uma thurman and sean connery uh, <laughs> yeah, a yeah, modern well, classic, if you will. Modern classic. I will tell you this: when it first came out, I saw it, and I was kind of like, you know, ah, God, this movie sucks. But I watched it the other day, and I don't know if it was because I was a captive audience or what, but I enjoyed it. I I thought it was. It, <laughs> You're gonna it get inter- some feedback on that one. It inter- It did. Honest to God, it entertained me. I liked the banter between uh, Fines and um, Uma. I'm a fan of Uma. I thought Uma, when she was younger, was super duper hot. She was, I don't know if she was ever hotter than what she was in this with that like uh, leather cat suit or whatever on, Emma Peel kind of cat suit. My God, ooh, big woman, ooh, big six foot three, hot, broad with long legs. <laughs> I like Uma. And she had nice things. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and uh, speaking of which, I'm trying to find a Virginia Madsen topless here because I'm a dirty fucker. She watch um, hot hot sh- is it hot shot with her and Don Johnson? And I find a I find a Muriel Muriel Hemingway instead. <laughs> Got to go to I don't want to plug a, a website, but there's a website called Celebrity Movie Archive that has like every naked picture of every woman that's ever been naked. Yeah. Anyway, and it's in alphabetical order. I don't go there, but I've heard of it. And you know, like I said, I like Uma. I I I I like her. Um, now, when they showed her in Kill Bill, and Quentin Tarantino showed a close up of her feet, and I saw how big her hands are, she's she's taller than me. So I mean, you know, she's she's a big chick. But I like big chicks. 
Uh, that, that didn't come out right. <laughs> anyway, moving right along. The next one was uh, The Set. Uh, this is the Roger Ward-based uh, movie from Australia. Uh, I'm going to be reviewing this on Paleo Cinema with Terry Frost uh, Saturday. So I won't go too much into it. Um, but I'll just say that I watched it. And if you want to hear my review and Terry's, uh, tune into Paleo Cinema once we put it out. Um, next movie was Not Quite Hollywood, a documentary. I think most of the people, I shouldn't take that for granted, but I think a lot of the people in our circle have seen this about the um, uh, early days of uh, Australian uh, filmmaking. It's yeah. quite entertaining. It's yep. got a lot of, uh, it's, I've seen it twice. I just watched it the other day. It's on Netflix Instant Watch. So give it a shot if you haven't watched it and if you have watched it again because it's it's a damn fine documentary and it's pretty damn uh pretty damn funny um the next thing i watched was on youtube and i was disappointed because i like music i i have a very diverse musical taste and uh, i found a uh short documentary called the legend of bo diddley and but the only thing is whoever put it on uh youtube it says one of three and they had one of three and three of three, no two. Ah. Of three. But it was still good, and it it was from his really, really super duper early days. There was no like later times or anything. It was when he was really big, and it was it was good. I like the music. I, I love his music, and uh, yeah, he was one of the first um, artists that had like a his his guitar player. He had a female guitar player in several shots. I saw he had a female drummer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was a cool, dude. Um, Next one, and uh, I spoke to Loaf uh, because my sister was mentioning that uh, she would like for us to possibly do um, some either Oxford Blues, which is a Rob Lowe movie, or movies of that ilk from that time period uh, with, the, with the Lowe. And the reason that this came up is because she and I had an extensive discussion about one of her uh, favorite movies. Um, this is a movie that uh, I remember seeing, and my sister really liked it, so I saw it a lot, which is about last night, mm-hmm. uh, starring Rob Lowe and Demi Moore and um, Elizabeth Perkins and Jim Belushi. Now, one thing, right before the show, I uh, got online on Imbud and looked up the movie, and I did not know until just now, after seeing this movie a whole shitload of times, is that uh, David Mamet wrote it. It was um, based on uh, one of his plays. And uh, it's one of these movies that um, we watched a lot because Rob Lowe was so bad in it. <laughs> he, he even my sister when I when we were talking about we were making fun of all of these lines and everything in the movie. And really, when you watch the movie, uh, the two best uh, people in the movie are Jim Belushi and Elizabeth Perkins. Um, and I don't know. I, uh, I don't want to say like a, not not a spoiler because this is something that I think they missed. Uh, of course, you know Rob Lowe and Demi Moore have it's about them meeting, getting together, breaking up. It's like all you know a lot of romantic comedies or whatever meeting, right, getting right. together. And Jim Belushi is her is his like slob kind of buddy. They are in Chicago, and uh, Elizabeth Perkins is her friend who is a really kind of prim and proper school teacher. And there's a dynamic between Perkins and Belushi. 
there because she thinks he's a slob and he kind of comes on to her and she blows him off and treats him like shit. Well, then he thinks she's a total bitch and everything. But there's a chemistry there. And we I have always said since watching this for the first time that they screwed the pooch on this movie because Belushi and Perkins should have got together in the end because it's like almost like an opposite to track thing, you know, right, but right. they did. So anyway, if I ruined that for anybody, fuck yeah, I don't give a shit. <laughs> it's an old ass movie. And no, no, nobody that, nobody that listens to our shit's going to care about that movie. I, they might, I don't know. Um, <laughs> all, <laughs> all 13 of you. Yeah. You know, the 13 people that are listening. Uh, the next movie I watched um, was uh, called Dien Bien Phu. And it's, um, I got, to, I actually purchased this. I have a legal copy of this movie. Uh, Congrats. <laughs> by Pierre Chond, Chond, Chond Orfer. I don't know how you say it, but I mean Close Pierre Chondorfer. Um, he was a, a, he worked, well, it was actually in the French uh, army. And his job in the French army was he was a uh, uh, like a took war uh, footage, you know, with his you know camera or whatever. And this was you know Dien Bien Phu was in the fifties. It was like uh, the French Vietnam because they were the Vietnam was a colony for the French, and the Battle of Dien Bien Phu was basically a fifty-seven day siege uh, that pretty much ended their occupation of Vietnam. Mm-hmm. They ended up. Uh, getting beat and kicked out. This movie is really good. The only person that most people would know in it is Donald Pleasance, and he plays a reporter that's in uh, Hanoi. And it's it has um, it's the movie is kind of split because the people are in Hanoi and um, it it's still, you know, they're going to operas and they're drinking champagne and doing this and that. And then out in the field, these guys are just, you know, getting the shit blown out of them. And, and like I said, it's a siege movie, uh, just mud. I mean, like you would not believe it. It's, but it's a very good movie. It's really interesting. It's a good, good war movie. Um, and just after watching this movie, and I even actually remember this from a captain America comic, um, someone said like in a captain America comic, like a lot of people do, they made like a snide comment about the French, uh, those French, you know, fucking freedom fries. We don't call them French fries. And captain America went off and said, listen, cause he had fought in world war two and, you know, in the comic book. And he said, listen, you know, I fought beside the French resistance in world war two. And, you know, I don't want to hear any shit about how the French are cowards because you don't know what, you know, of course, Captain America didn't say fuck, but he was basically saying, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. So fuck off. And after watching this movie, and like I said, you know, you see, uh, watch uh, the uh, movie Hotel uh, Terminus um, about uh, Klaus Barbie and, you know, them torturing, you know, these French resistance guys and, and stuff like that. And think about, some of the, when people get into this nationalism thing about oh the French the French the French they're all cowards and stuff, you know I watched this movie and this guy was there and all the footage that he shot of the entire thing when they basically were told to surrender I mean they it was hopeless and they were going to get annihilated and they got the call that said you know destroy your weapons um, you know we're and we're going to surrender or whatever. And they all destroyed their weapons. Well, he destroyed, you know, he, he 
broke up his camera and was going to destroy all the film. And I think there was a Russian, maybe a Russian uh, cinematographer or something actually mm-hmm. found the film. And he, he was in a, you know, what they called a re-education camp, prisoner of war camp or whatever for, for quite a while. And the guy came and uh, they were going to execute him for trying to escape. And uh, this Russian cinematographer, you know, showed up and had heard of him and, you know, said, don't kill this guy and everything. And he had found some of the film and watched it. Uh, this movie actually has, um, Viet, I think, Vietnamese um, soldiers playing the Viet Minh who were, you know, later on would be the North Vietnamese or the Viet Cong. Right. Um, playing the parts of the Viet Minh and playing the parts of the Vietnamese that fought on alongside the French. It's really good. It's a, it's a big, uh, a, a big, you know, uh, along the lines of like Tora, Tora, Tora right. or a bridge too far, a great, a big spectacle, you know, of a movie. Um, the next one I watched, uh, which I watched this morning was also by Pierre Schondorfer. Uh, it's called, uh, the, the, uh, 317th platoon, um, and it um, stars uh, Bruno Kramer or Kramer, who is uh, a favorite of mine. And this was, like I said, also by the same guy who did Dien Bien Phu. And it's a on a smaller scale. Um, this movie was shot, I think, in the '60s, whereas the Dien Bien Phu movie, I had, I can't remember. I think it was like maybe in the in the '80s or '90s, so it was a lot later. And it's in color. This one is in black and white. And this one reminds me a lot of the Battle of Algiers uh, because it almost has almost like a documentary feel about it um, where Dien Bien Phu is this big uh, spectacle uh, with all these, you know, lots and lots of people, planes and, you know, all you know, uh, artillery fire and all this and that and everything. Uh, this movie is basically a platoon that right around the time of the battle of Dien Bien Phu, they are in another little outpost and they're told to bug out. And so they are, you know, trying to make their way through the jungle to get, uh, to, to safety. And they come across these Viet, Viet men and they have like a kind of a firefight. Several of their guys get shot and they have to carry the wounded, you know, through this jungle, through river beds up to their chest, the guys are suffering and everything, but it's really, really good. And uh, I looked for this thing forever. And one of the reasons I couldn't find it was um, it. Uh, I was looking for it under La La 317 section. And, I remember you uh, telling me to watch this a long time ago. Yeah, and I couldn't find it. But what's funny is, much like the one movie, which I can't remember the name of now, that Will was talking about, uh, he said, you know, I saw this Argentina movie, and I watched it. I can't remember what it was. And he said... Uh, you know, I, I'll tr- see if I can get it f- to you or whatever. I found it on YouTube. Well, once I f- translated it, you know, into uh, the 317th platoon instead of La 317 section. Right, right. Uh, it's on fucking YouTube. But I did find it, and it's it's good. Um, the guy that that um, you know found it and posted it. I guess he had to basically translate the entire thing himself uh-huh. and put subtitles on it himself. There's several times where the subtitles are go really by really fast, and at first I was like, "Oh shit," you know, because it was hard to kind of keep up. But uh, it's still really good, and I recommend it. Um, that's about it for for uh, for now. I haven't watched too much else. 
no TV. I watched some hockey. I've been that's been preoccupying me because hockey's getting ready to start up. Uh, and um, Yalmer Yager is now a Philadelphia Flyer. And I was kind of skeptical about that for a little bit because, you know, he's 40 years old. And I looked at their uh, their roster, and he's like the biggest guy on the team at 40 years old. He's 240 pounds. Wow. And a lot of their other guys, you know, their biggest guys are like 220. Right. And I thought, you know, how's this going to work out? He's From what I've seen so far, he has not missed a step. I've watched uh, two games where he's played. And uh, he just looks like he always did when he was a young kid. I mean, he's two goals, one assist in one game. And then the other game, he, I think he scored a goal and a couple assists or something like that. And I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> so I'm getting pumped up for the uh, hockey season. And um, baseball, like I said, you know, I, I, I'm kind of like you. I was following, uh, <laughs> even though I'm not a Red Sox or a Yankees fan because of that rivalry, I still kind of still kind of follow yeah, what's yeah. going on between them and um i don't know i don't know who's going to do it this year uh the rays look really tough and um the phillies watched, well i've watched the milwaukee brewers beat the pirates so many times <laughs> that they've almost brainwashed me into thinking man they're they're fucking good you yeah. know but we'll see you know um even though my team like i said is <laughs> not in it and your team's not in it anything, there's something about even with hockey or even with football, when it gets into the playoffs, um, even if my team's out of it, mm-hmm. um, I'll still watch. I'll st- I'll probably still watch the playoffs, baseball, and watch the World Series and stuff because it's it's like everything's stepped up, and you you can teams say if it is like uh, I don't know the Rays against. Uh, you know, the Phillies or something like that. And I'm not super duper familiar with either team because they'll play back to back to back to back to back. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you'll get to know the teams and the ones that move on, then you'll, you know. And um, I don't follow that many other teams other than pretty much because the back when I was a kid, if you played for the Pirates, uh, they had like the same guys on the team pretty much. Yeah. For 10 years. So you got to know them or the Cowboys or the Flyers or whoever. And uh, Celtics. Now you know all my teams. And uh, <laughs> But now everybody moves so much and changes. It's kind of hard to. So I just root for the team. Uh, yeah. I'm not. I'm, I'm not a big. Way. I'm not. I, I'm my my little nephew who's uh, getting bigger and bigger. He's 14 years old. I tried to explain that to him because he's a he loves baseball. He plays baseball. He's a pitcher and everything. Really mm-hmm. good. And I said, you know, he goes, oh, I like this guy, I like that guy. And I said, well, you know, I, we always picked a team and you supported the team. And, you know, if one guy went here or there, you know, to me, once they went, like if there was a guy that played for the Pirates and then he went to the Cincinnati Reds, who were our rival in the 70s, I hated their guts because I was like, you know, he's a fucking traitor. I hate him, you know. (laughs) And he's like, that's stupid. I don't understand that at all. I'm like, fuck you, kid. I hope my sister doesn't listen. I didn't mean that. <laughs> Much. <laughs> well, it's a different time. It is. And, totally. and I understand it because with fantasy uh, football and baseball and stuff like that, it has you following individuals. And because of the way things are, people moving from team to team to team, it's hard to just say, okay, I like this team. I don't know. I'm, I'm still old school like that, too. I mean, like, you know, I follow the Red Sox still as a team. Mm-hmm. But. I could see the individual player part of it because I'll still want to follow certain players after they leave if I like them a lot. But yeah, there's some of them like Johnny Damon. Well, uh, fuck him. But <laughs> <laughs> how 
come when I made that statement? I knew you were going to say that. Well, okay. Now, <laughs> you say I'm never going to go play for the Yankees, and you fucking go play for the Yankees? Fuck you. Uh, yeah, come on. It's a business. It's a business. If the Yankees... Yeah, yeah. you, you, are you telling me if the Yankees called you tomorrow and said, Loaf, <laughs> I'm going to give you $30 million. <laughs> now, why... You know... No, I would do it, and I would fucking go sabotage the shit out of that team. <laughs> yes, make them lose. Well, Steinbrenner. uh, Steinbrenner's dead now, so not well, his not his offspring. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. evil Steinbrenner. Uh, I, I guess we should get into what I watch. So, yes, this sports stuff is stupid. <laughs> um, so I didn't watch as much as uh, Zom did. Um, as per usual, my uh, I already said per usual today. The what was what happened with me at the theater this week? We had this very, very, very unexpected, crazy, busy movie. Um, it's a Telugu movie called Dukudu, which means daring and dashing. I think hmm. this thing sold out multiple shows, which our little theater never really sells out shows. Um, this sold out multiple shows, and um, on Friday, while, by not having a gauge on how popular this movie was going to be. Uh, we failed to properly crowd control. And the hallway outside the theater completely filled up shoulder to shoulder, and people couldn't get out of the theater. And nice. everybody was getting like kind of panicky look on their face. I'm like, oh, fuck, we got to get it. So anyway, we, 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 we sorted it out. We had to get everybody in the theater actually leave through the exit that goes directly outside. Um, it was a mess, so... Uh, we we figured out how to rope off things the following day, so it would not happen again. But so um, yeah, that movie kept me busy pretty much all weekend at work, and so I didn't get a, a big chance to watch a lot. But um, I did. Uh, besides the two for the show, I um, I watched. Uh, I, I got it in the mail recently. A cheap DVD, Escape Two Thousand or Turkey Shoot. Um, mm-hmm. The Brian Trenchard Smith. I watched it this time with. Uh, with his commentary track and his commentary. I, I, I wish I had more discs of his with commentary tracks because right. I love the way he talks about his films and like, or at, le- at least this one, sorry. And he, he's very just like, he has no problem saying, well, I should have done this differently or, yeah. well, that wasn't very good. Now was it? Or this music is uh, awful. Or he seems it, like he has a good sense of humor. Yeah, I've it, heard it, was, it before. It was really good. It was, um, he, he had good things to say about Roger Ward, which is cool. But, mm-hmm. um, no, it was a really fun commentary, and my wife's tr- kind of halfway watching the movie, and she, you know, as usual, she's just like, "What are you watching?" <laughs> Rails I like, back. I was, like, I was like, "Just listen, listen to the listen to the commentary. This guy's funny," and she did laugh a few times. So, um, so then uh, randomly, right after I watched that, I decided to watch a new Brian Trenchard Smith movie called Arctic Blast, which is on Netflix Instant, and a yeah. <laughs> Um, this is about a somehow a hole gets torn in the ozone, which lets the mesosphere super cold, like negative one forty air, slip into the Earth's at, like normal atmosphere. So it creates this like ridiculously cold cold front that yeah. starts sweeping across the globe, and like it can it's cold enough to flash freeze humans. Nice. Uh, the the uh, the effects on people flash freezing are really really bad. <laughs> Um, so it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a disaster movie. I think I guess it's just a, a, just latching on to the whole 2012 thing that went by a couple years ago. No, no, no. Is it was, isn't it next year? Is it next year? Yes. Yeah. Cause everything was messed up. It's the Mayan clock. Right. 
or the Mayan calendar. Or the or, Mayan no, I mean the, well, the twenty twelve like movie things that went by like two years ago. Uh, yeah. John Cusack, that was uh, that movie sucked. That movie, if that movie was about an hour and a half shorter, it would have been a lot better. <laughs> two forty was way too fucking long for Oops, that. Oops, just missed. Oops, just missed again. Oops, <laughs> missed about that much. Um, I went and saw uh, the uh, it's a John Michael McDonough movie, The Guard, mm-hmm. at the theater. Um, this is starring Brendan Gleeson and Don Cheadle. Uh, I heard this was incredible. It was okay for me. Mm-hmm. Um, Brendan Gleeson's character is highly racist but hilarious. Um, maybe I should say highly racist and hilarious, but um, <laughs> and, you know, it's all it's all done in good humor. It's not you know. It's, it's not, not like it's bad not racism. <laughs> it's not mean. Um, but he's a he's a a cop in a small Irish town and Don Cheadle's an FBI agent who's kind of doing this international drug smuggling investigation mm-hmm. and kind of, they kind of get paired up together. So I guess it's a buddy cop movie in a way. Uh but and you know Brendan Gleeson being a being a bit racist and Don Cheadle has no problem calling him out on it. So it's pretty funny. Um, Brendan Gleeson drinks on the job and hires prostitutes, and uh, it's 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 good. It's he's really good in it. The movie itself is just it was okay. Um, I, li- I like him. He's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I watched a DeLeo uh, movie that I had not seen before. Um, and on on IMDb, it's called Mr. Scarface. Um, the Italian name is I Padroni della Cita. Is that Jack Palance? Yes. Uh, It's Rulers of the City, I think, is what another name that it goes by. Um, Mm -hmm. It was really good. I was surprised. I I was expecting it to be a kind of a a lesser. It's in the DeLeo crime set, Mm -hmm. like it's like a four DVD set or whatever. Um, This was, uh, it was really entertaining. Uh, I thought it was cool. I like Palance. Yeah, and he's, he's, He's not like super snaky in the movie, but he's got some <laughs> cool scenes. And I watched it, it dubbed in Italian, so his mm-hmm. you know his voice was edited out completely. Yeah. And I think I think the scar on his face actually changes shape a few times in the movie, which is kind of cool. Nice. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, last week I totally forgot to mention this. I watched this movie on Netflix Instant called Wizards of the Demon Sword. <laughs> this is a Fred Olin Ray movie from 1991. <laughs> Woof! I wow. <laughs> It has a it has a one point eight out of ten on IMDb, and it's that's about accurate. This this movie was one of the most ridiculous things I've seen in a long time. The acting is so like I, I guess it's intentional. It's really bad. The 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 main like villain wizard guy, I called him the Jim Neighbors wizard because he had this like weird like fifties kind of like grease hairdo mm-hmm. and. Maybe even a southern accent. He talked just like very plain as day. He didn't, and but said like middle ages type things as he was trying to figure Dolly. out. <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't that bad. Villain? I don't know why J- Jim <laughs> Neighbors came to mind. I guess because Jim Neighbors is who I think of when I think of like a 50s kind of star. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure se- why. Sexual, yeah, yeah. right? Right. Um, this is it was really bad. It's a trauma release, I guess. I don't know if it's a trauma produced. Uh, oof. It was it's it's hilariously bad, and I realized double woof. And I and I got the I got the uh, the rare opportunity to watch this at the same time by myself and with other people because I'd had to watch it in pieces. I was watching it on my lunch break at at work, and somebody sat down with me and we started watching it together on my iPad. And we had we were we were really cracking up. And he came back the next day. He's like, "Can we watch the end of that movie?" 
And uh, but then I like watch the end of it myself. I'm like, God, this fucking sucks. So <laughs> with a group, I think this could uh, this could play okay just because it's so bad. Yeah. Um, the the sword fighting is pathetic and <laughs> oh wow, it's really it's bad. God, no, you're making me want to watch it. The there there there's a couple set of hot tits in it though. So well, then now you're really making yeah. me want to watch it. Um, and then I watched last night another really bad one. Um, it's a DVD I randomly bought on Amazon for like three cents, literally. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a Sean Donahue movie. Um, have you seen any of his other things? Uh, uh, Will's a big fan. It's he was married to Margot Thomas, wasn't he? Was he? I don't know. No, that was Phil. Oh, Phil. Don- <laughs> Phil. Donahue. No, what? What's? I, I've heard the name before. Uh, what's p- parole violators? Parole, um, yes, yeah, parole yeah. violators. And, yeah, um, he, uh, ground rules, which was awful. That had Frank Stallone in it. Um, Stallone. This the ground ground rules sucks. Don't waste your time. Sean Donahue's fucking IMDb picture is the ground rules poster as well. But I gotta tell you, I like Frank Stallone better than Sylvester Stallone, and I'm not even fucking joking. <laughs> and I, I mean seriously, uh, this is uh, Shattered Dreams is a little too drama e. Um, it had some cool moments. It's a story about this guy that his family gets fucked over by this guy and. In the arresting process, he pulls a cop's gun and shoots the guy and gets prison for it. And so it's mm-hmm. kind of him trying to figure out, after he gets out of prison for doing that, he, he figuring out what's going on. And Anthony, uh, Anthony, uh, Eric Estrada is uh, the, de- the main detective who kind of has a, um, like a beef with Sean Donahue because it was his gun that gets mm-hmm. swiped. Uh, so Eric Estrada's not in it enough and... Eric, you know, it's an older Eric Estrada. This movie's from '98, which is really weird too. But was um, this when when Eric Estrada was still good looking, or is he fat? He's he's a little he's a little fluffy. Okay. Uh, he's got gray hair and he's a little fluffy. So, yeah. and Sean Donahue's looking like he's thinning a little bit. He's still ripped, but he's looking like he's thinning a little bit on top. So, mm-hmm. uh, he, you know, I guess it was worth three cents plus shipping. But other than that, <laughs> it's like really worth. Yeah, it's even hard to find because if you type "Shattered Dreams," if you even go to like Miso and hit the IMDb link, it goes to some made-for-TV movie from 1990, so um, <laughs> it doesn't have a poster or anything. It's it's a weird one. Um, so, yeah, that was all I watched, and that's that's how I, I, I went to sleep with that one last night, so what a what a great way to end the fucking week, huh? Yeah, what you got oh, to oh, I almost Watch forgot. Drive. <laughs> yes. That wait, was wait, good... wait. I... Wait, wait, wrong one. Let's see. Here we go. Nope, wrong one. This one. There we go. There you go. I saw a movie. Boing. <laughs> boing, um, boing, boing. I, I did. I did go see Drive again. Did you really? This. Yeah, I did. This. <laughs> um, this was. Um, this time, not by myself. I went with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, every time I talk about Drive, I wish this song would play. Um, I took a group of people, and it was funny. I was I was sitting right in the middle of the group. Um, I knew my wife would like it, and she was to my left. But everybody else to my left, I was pretty sure, was not going to be a huge fan of the movie. And everyone to my right, this is just how it worked out. I was pretty sure we were going to love it. And that's exactly what happened. Because like, I could tell the people to my left were getting bored with it, and the people to my right were in love with it. Because uh-huh. um, the first half is kind of slow. But uh-huh. slow for me, slow in a good way. If you were going in expecting all car chases, it's slow in a bad way. Um, so yeah, go see drive, refin rule, Gosling rule. All right, so yeah, drive. Oh, I can't believe I almost forgot that one. Were you just guessing that I saw drive? 
I had a, I just had like a uh, what was a, I had an epiphany, epiphany, daddy, epiphany. I know that you like that movie, and I know that there are things going through your brain that possibly you might have uh, turned that uh, music on several times while making sweet love <laughs> after you saw that movie. So good. So um, oh, just b- before you, you know, speaking of that, because I don't want to go into to uh, your personal life. It's uh, what you what you do in your personal life uh, with Jim Neighbors and the theme from Drive. But um, golly, I, I had a, a, a I have to tell this story because it just came to my mind. I'll make it I'll make it quick. Um, I had a girlfriend, and <laughs> she knew that I liked Mila Jovovich, and so she hated her guts. <laughs> but she didn't know that Mila Jovovich had put out like a uh, a um, uh, CD mm-hmm. and music, uh, which was actually pretty good. She was on like Conan O'Brien, and you know that, and she's a pretty good singer. And she sings this one Russian song called "In the Glades," which is really good. It's really pretty. And but she didn't know that. So even though I knew that she hated her guts, one time when we were doing our business. Uh-huh. I put that on the CD player and played the whole CD while I <laughs> tapped that. <laughs> so it was kind of like revenge. Uh, I hear the Christmas Mila, phone ringing. I call that Mila's revenge. <laughs> I hear the Christmas phone ringing. Uh, I know. I don't know what the, the goddamn <laughs> telemarketer. Well, you know what it is? It's either the NRA or it's somebody, you know, saying all oh, this, you know, do you realize that uh, so-and-so supports Barack Obama? Or, you know, do you realize that they're one to stack up babies and dead babies and dumpsters and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know, I used to, to, to as an amusing thing, get on there and argue with people. I hate people if, you know, like I, I tell everybody, if you call me, just call me. I'll look at the caller ID. And I'll talk to you if I want to talk to you. Yeah, yeah. But th- th- you just get so much of this stuff around election time yep. and everything. It's 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 ridiculous. And they ought to make a movie about like uh, with like Danny Trejo or somebody that tracks down <laughs> these people and like slices their heads off and then shits down their neck. But he's got to make. But a, when they go ahead, he's got to make like an Arnold Schwarzenegger type comment every time. Like yes, and but when he shits down their neck. Right before he shits, he takes this little plastic thing out, puts it in his mouth, and gets it all with a lot of saliva on it, and sticks it in his butthole, and it makes like <laughs> hair or star-shaped uh, to poop, and it just, play-doh like, poop. It just kind of like it kind of like sprinkles down like like sp- like a pile of spaghetti on the neck hole instead of actually down the neck hole. And then he says, like Arnold, he does it. Danny Trejo in an Arnold voice, he goes. That was off the hook. Yeah, <laughs> leave that at the beep, bitch. Uh, okay, we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back and do Outside the Cinema's Choices for us. We will start, uh, let's start with Tetsuo the Iron Man, since that's the first one I looked at. <laughs> Zom's favorite, I'm sure. Uh, we will be right back. But my when I come home after a hard day's work, there's nothing better than listening to outside the cinema. I like to draw a bubble bath and get in there and play with the bubbles. And sometimes I fart in the tub and some of the bubbles come up and I'll scoop a bubble up in my hand and I'll pop it and smell my own fart. I like to smell my asshole. Coming out his asshole.
All right, back from break, uh, and I love that promo. Work <laughs> um, on the promo. Little iron lung there for Tetsuo the Iron Man. Eh, eh, get it? Um, so yeah, Tetsuo the Iron Man, 1989. This is directed by Shinya Sukamoto. I don't know if I got that anywhere close to correct, but we'll go. We'll roll with it. Um, Shinya, let's see. I don't know that I've seen anything else this guy has done. Um, outside the cinema, who actually chose this movie for us, um, they, I, I know that they have uh, reviewed Tetsuo the Bullet Man, which is a pretty recent one. Mm-hmm. Um, and a, I, I think this, I think he kind of does the same kind of themes in most of his movies. Uh, maybe not. Um, a lot of life type themes, but it looks like he did something called Bullet Ballet, which is a crime thriller and so yeah i haven't seen any, anything else by him um this is very early on in his in his career um he acted in the movie as well as the the metal fetishist or the fetishist i think it was just in the trailer in the credits so um yeah i'll uh, i'll let zom lead off on this one uh and i guess we could try to i'll try to synopsize and then then let you take it. <laughs> um, well, let's see. It says, uh, A strange man known only as the metal fetishist, who seems to have an insane compulsion to stick scrap metal into his body, is hit and possibly killed by a jet. This kind of spoils... I don't know. Basically, this guy is stricken with this metal, almost disease, um, and the movie gets into maybe why, and then gets into kind of the ultimate resolution of what happens after this fact. So... Oh, we'll just stick. We'll just stick with that, and I'll let, I'll let Zom. I'll let you talk about it first. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it better than Iron Man Two. Um, <laughs> no. Um, this movie. Well, first of all, for any of y'all out there that haven't seen this movie. Uh, and when you first start watching it and you're thinking, what the fuck in hell am I watching? Um, you, you can look down at the bottom and know that it's only about an hour long. So <laughs> that helps. Um, I don't... I, and I'm, I'm not saying this in a negative way. I don't think I could have watched over an hour. Right. Uh, it's so... It's... It's very different. It's unrelenting. It's it, yes. I mean, just bam, 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 and it's it's um. It would be easy to come on here and just say, you know, this is a fucking piece of shit. Yeah. Uh, it sucks. Blah 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 blah, and everything. But when you're looking at it, and and the the it's like nothing that you probably have ever seen. I mean, now some some of you fuckers out there, it's probably you've seen <laughs> a lot of shit like this. But for me, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of stuff in there that reminded me of the um, of like Akira, yeah, uh, and some of the Japanese anime. Um, stuff that I've seen with, you know, some of the demons and monsters and stuff like that. But, you know, this is done in 1989, and this is, you know, it's not anime or anything. (coughs) But um, I have to give the guy um, props for uh, just the... 
creating a style that is just so different and so um, just odd and strange that it it do, it really it does keep your attention. Yeah. Um, I, I you know and, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna leave you hanging out to dry here because this is a hard one to talk about. So I right. think I think it's these are gonna both of these films are gonna be a little easier if we both kind of go at the same time instead of doing how we usually do and take turns. But the um, I, I'm with you on one part that we had talked about before though is. Uh, you know, I watched the whole thing, and I was now, of course, like the the the, the fighting and some of the this the the sexual stuff, and you know the the the, the fetish, you know, mm-hmm. things and everything. But the actual story, I was kind of lost uh, uh, several times where I I was like, okay, what what the fuck's going on here? Yeah. And then when I did go and read the synopsis and then think about you know what was going on, it 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 did put a lot of it in perspective. Yeah. This is um, not this is not a plot driven movie. The uh, it does have a plot. Um, right. We're not going to spoil it here, but if anybody is interested in it, I would. You will not have a problem. I think. By maybe going to Wikipedia and reading the plot, uh, like reading the summary of the movie, um, when you kind of understand what's going on, because that was the hardest part for me was figuring out who was who right. and right. why, you know, the motivations behind certain things. But um, I think I would almost tell people to watch it without reading the synopsis first. Okay, watch it and and see and watch the whole thing, experience it, and like I said, to me, it's almost like. Uh, uh, not, I don't know if I'd say performance art or abstract art or something like that. Watch it and form your own opinion, and then you know, then after the fact, go and read you know what it says because you know I I, I wouldn't want to go into it you know saying okay bam 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 starts here they the guy does this this and have somebody tell you and then and then go and look for those points I could see and, that and, and look for those and I kind of halfway did that because I watched half the movie. And then realize like, what the fuck? I, well, I didn't real I didn't know who this one character right. was, and I was yeah. like, wait, 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 who is this now? Um, because they there's several times in the movie where you see kind of a a guy who's obviously in body paint, kind of right. cowering amongst like rubble or like uh, old junk and wires and stuff. Right. And I thought it was the main character, but then you see his face. I'm like, wait, 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 that's not the that does not the, mm-hmm. look like the same guy. So I had to figure out who he was exactly. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it does, it leaves you, you know, kind of like that. Um, when you look at, when I was looking at it as a straight up, like almost like a, uh, superhero kind of action deal, yeah, yeah. Uh, there were several times where I was like, yeah, that's pretty You know, like almost not, I don't know how to put this, but just watching it, like thinking, okay, just uh, as a, a hero villain, and fighting and stuff like that, and uh, you know, there there's several there there's a, a a few different scenes in here where you're going to be like, oh no, they're not going there, <laughs> and and then then you're sitting there and you're thinking, oh yeah, I kind of hope they are, <laughs> and I hope he does do with this thing what I think, or she does with this thing, and uh, I don't know, but it it um it's. It's kind of like I said. It's it's very hard. I knew it was going to be hard to review. Yeah. Because like, and, and it is it is not a long film. Right. Um, 
lots and lots of violence. Yeah, it's 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 hyper violent, and and that said too, it's hyper low budget. This I think was filmed yeah. on sixteen millimeter or something. Uh, it's very contrasty, very stylized. You could tell the costuming was you know kind of just slapdash. It was really just hey, this would look okay on here, and this would look okay yeah. on here. Um, that said, though, it's it's uh, the the low quality film, the low quality special effects, and the high contrast really I think adds in mm-hmm. both of the movies to the effect of it. And it was obvious the second film, Rubber's Lover, had a, a bigger budget, right? Um, but I don't think it would it the, it kept the same tone, it kept the same style throughout in in Tetsuo the Iron Man, which you know. It, you never got to a point where you're like, oh god, that looks cheap. Because really, the whole thing looks cheap. But that's kind of the point, right? Um, it, it, it almost seemed to me like it was. <laughs> it was just like everything. Everybody in the movie was. If you shot them up full of like methamphetamine <laughs> and had them smoking crack the entire time, lots and lots of screaming. Yeah. Lots and lots of frantic. Uh, screaming and screaming and lots of screaming and uh, fighting and screaming and struggling and screaming and it, 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 they're screaming it. There's <laughs> a lot of just wild-eyed craziness. Yeah, uh, yeah. The um, it's like when you start watching this, it's kind of like if David Lynch directed a Nine Inch Nails video that uh, the guy from the Talking Heads, David Byrne, was singing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's it's. Uh, it's kind of even nonsensical at first. You get a you get this guy who is chasing someone or being chased, excuse me, through a subway, and and there's not a lot of explanation of why, but it appears he's being slowly infected by. It's not a virus. It's just by metal. Um, he starts like his skin's kind of like rupturing, and he keeps popping these bloody boils on the mirror, and yeah, it was it, it's pretty it's gory and it's weird uh, a, a country that edits that, that will blur out pubic hair and this is you know this is a kind of a standard kind of I'll tell you uh, one film. part that, that that just bugged me more than anything um, <coughs> I am um, yeah my cough button my cough button is a washcloth that I'm holding over my mouth <laughs> uh, to catch all your minute. tuberculosis why was that why was that washcloth laying beside my bed uh-oh. Why does it stand up on your desk when you put it down? <laughs> Why does it taste so familiar? Um, anyway, um, there was one part that, that just bothered me because of just me and a certain thing that I have. Um, of course, the guy, you know, I would have never known that the guy was called metal fetishist or whatever. But, yeah, so, yeah. you know, you hear that and you think, okay, metal fetishist. He has a fetish for metal. And um, there was one part where he is um, – the guy is feeding his girlfriend food with a metal like fork and scraping that goddamn fork across her <laughs> teeth. And I have my, I, I, it's like, I, I guess like because of having sensitive teeth or something, it's uh, somebody scraping a metal fork across her teeth is like nails on a chalkboard to me. It actually just goes through me like a lightning bolt. And I'm like, Jesus, fork or curse. I'm just going to, but, um, yeah, well, it's uh, a <laughs> strange. I, I think I think this might be a common. I've not seen this is a I guess a, a could be called a cyberpunk film. Um, yeah. it's uh, I'm not and I'm not seeing a lot of films in the genre, but it's a it's a kind of a theme that you see a lot, especially in anime of kind of technology being a blessing and a curse. Uh-huh. How 
uh, there's a tra- you know you have traditional Japanese lifestyle and you have a kind of people pushing giving pushback to that lifestyle and how it's kind of invading different territories and and, and Akira touches on that too mm-hmm. but that's you know that, that's post apocalyptic as well right um, the, you know this guy you know it seems like he is infected by the the technology from the beginning and you don't get an answer why for a while but um, and he just well, he he loses control and he he can't help but succumb to this this technology but and then eventually becomes you know what he does well uh, and uh, while i was watching it you know that's if you're if you're looking at it okay as everything is literal but then as i'm watching it i'm thinking okay is this just okay this guy is a fetishist and he's losing his marbles and he's basically imagining everything that's ha- this is either like a fever dream or a halluc- hallucinations or you know because i I don't know, like the, the the first part where you know you see someone just you know basically mutilate themselves so that they can stick a, a you know piece of metal under yeah. their skin, yeah, and then they and then it becomes infected and everything, and and I'm kind of like okay maybe this guy is just obsessed. He has this this fetish. He obviously has mental problems, and you know I almost expected in the end that they would show you know the guy laying. On a on a gurney in a hospital, getting a Thorazine shot, or in a rubber room in a straitjacket, and he's just thinking all this shit. He's hallucinating. Well, I mean, and that's that's exactly what I wrote. Uh, I, that was one of my notes. I said, "Is this a statement on technology invading you know everyday lives, or is it just uh, a nightmare?" Well, uh, and you know, like I said, like maybe, uh, of course. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I would say everyone has a fetish, but everyone has. Uh, Will and Sammy reviewed uh, one of those Mondo movies or whatever where they talked about fetishes and stuff, and got several calls in people talking about different fetishes and everything. And you know, I think to an extent, whether it's you know I like you know grabbing my girlfriend's hair or smacking her on the butt or whatever like that, and then when it gets to the extreme and it's way 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 super super far out there you know someone who's taken it so far that it's become like an obsession mm-hmm. uh then it kind of maybe gets into a almost like a mental illness kind of a thing but that's that's the first thing i thought when i was watching it uh was that the you know someone the the guy is obviously having a breakdown and this is all just a a um a uh, delusion but another thing that i noticed because one of my friends um uh, in the comic book world, uh, uh, many years back, I had a friend that owned a um, owned a uh, comic book store uh, that we used to all hang out at, and we had a group of friends that hung out. And we'd go see movies and stuff like that, and go to comic book conventions and everything. And he was he watched a lot of anime, and and uh, I had never watched any, and. He would. He tried to explain to me certain things, you know, about anime and Japanese culture and stuff like that. And he gave me a couple of different like VHS tapes with uh, anime movies on it. And I noticed, you know, the same thing in this as I noticed in there that it seemed like it, that one of the things that that they have a a thing about. I shouldn't say they have a thing about, but in these this genre or whatever was uh, rape. Mm-hmm. You know, had some uh, rape, and this has not only male rape but or male rape male on female rape but that also has uh 
female on male rape too, because I remember watching some anime that he gave me where, you know, a guy would turn into, he wouldn't turn into a monster, but a, a, a demon or something would come and grab a girl and go fly up in the air and take his tail while he's hovering above the ground and like be raping her with the tail and stuff like that. So that's kind of a, a strange, it's a common, kind of, it's a common thing. Yeah. Like a common thread in, in certain underground Japanese cinema. Yeah, You didn't anyway. see it in like a, Akira Kurosawa movies, but you know, <laughs> no, like no, like no you said, ten, like, no tentacle porn in uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Akira yeah, Kurosawa. I mean, I, 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 and I remember him explaining that to me why and what the what fors, but I cannot for the life of me remember what it was all about. But man, I don't know. Yeah, so, I mean, the degradation of women, maybe, or something like that in that society. Or, yeah, I mean, well, you know, the women being on equal footing with men has always been. Yeah, walk you know, five steps behind, and yeah. and I made the overstep because I know just from you know my our, my wrestling background or whatever you want to call it, um, I know that things have changed and progressed um, uh, from what I hear. You know, even Stan Hansen's book and stuff like that. He said, you know, when they first went over there to wrestle, over here they would try and the, the crowds, they would make them nuts and the crowds would be throwing stuff at them and trying to stab them and attack them, hit them with chairs and everything. And you went to Japan and he goes, no matter what you did in the ring, no matter what you did, nobody would cheer. And if you did like one move that was like, you know, really good, they would give, you know, polite little clap. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. it was like almost dead silence. And he said, you, you know, some of the guys would say, okay, I'm going to get him to, to cheer. And they might jump up on the top rope and jump down and practically kill another guy. And they would laugh. Or if, they, if you kick the guy in the balls, they they might laugh, but they didn't react to it. And he said, now things are changing and they act more like they do now. And I think that probably maybe the old, you know, the older culture has has is might still be the same, but the younger culture has progressed along, and women are becoming more independent and free. Yeah, I mean, and it's a it's a society that drastically changed. You know, right after after World War Two. Yeah, you know, Tokyo was wooden buildings, and right. it was you know essentially burnt to the ground. And all of a sudden, you know, in fifty years, they're at the head of the technological Technology. world. So it's like, you know, these people got this quick injection. So I think a lot of the things you see in cinema are a reaction to like people having to deal with sudden bursts of technology, <laughs> sudden, you know, the lifestyle changes there where, you know, you know, you're no longer in, you know, kimonos and having, you know, paper doors and stuff. All of a sudden you've, you're, there's lights everywhere and, you know, mm-hmm. earthquake well, uh, subways. And, and that's the thing with this movie, you know, um, like it or not like it, if it's your cup of tea or not your cup of tea or whatever, I, I don't. I hate to say this to say it to somebody else, but from my point of view, I have to respect it because it's it's something different. The guy's going out there and he's he's trying different things and he's he's making a statement, whatever the statement is. But it's something like I've never seen before, and and it was. It held my interest just because I thought it was it was interesting. Yeah, how he did it and you know what he was trying to say or uh, making me think. What is this? What am I seeing here? What's going on? You know. So it it was never boring. No, you know? And the, you know, there's a you know there's a part with a giant drill dick and <laughs> uh, he does the Freddy Krueger like finger scratch on the wall and the drill um, dick. The, that the, was the part where I was like, you know, <laughs> oh no, because as soon as you see it, and you're like, oh no, and then I was like, yeah, you know what, I I kind of want him to to uh, do what he's gonna do with this drill, <laughs> uh, but but the the the, uh, the the but you know, the, the I end- will also say 
they gave equal time uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. to the opposite of that, and and I was all, uh, but being a male, and you know my macho, my machismo or whatever, I was thinking, oh no, oh oh please no. But then in the <laughs> but then in the opposite, I feel like such a fucking hypocrite because I was like, yeah, get her with that, you know. But when the, the girl was gonna get the guy, I was like, oh no no. no. <laughs> but then I was kind of like, yeah. Get in there. Um, what? <laughs> what? Um, so yeah, the, the end. By the end of the film, it does get it, it gets very anime, like you were saying. The, uh, the there's a fight sequence that occurs. Um, the, I guess the, at this point, it's most apparent that the movie's low budget. But just by the way that some of the things that happen have to happen. Um, if they were done in an anime, they would you know it would you know people are defying physics essentially. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the uh, no, I I I I liked this. I mean, I thought it was interesting. It's it's disturbing, but not not di- it, it it has a purpose to be d- disturbing. It, it it assaults you constantly. It's the soundtrack, the way it's filmed. Um, it's supposed to make you feel uncomfortable, and I think it does. I think this would be good on like a really big screen, like really loud too. Like you, so yeah. you leave kind of disoriented because you know it's a dor- disorienting experience. This movie, and you know, you see several movies where people would be like, you know, uh, uh, you probably have to watch if you watch that and you were on LSD or something, it'd be really good. Or this one, you don't even have to spend your money on <laughs> LSD. You know, you just sitting there and you feel like you're on LSD. So anyway, well, whatever that feels. <laughs> yeah, peyote. I'm peyote. There. Oh yeah, Tom, Tomas Milian just drugged you up and left you with yeah. this one. So yeah, I, I, I had when I woke up, I had these two things under my eyes like crucifixes. I don't know what was going on. Chuckle, <laughs> chuckle, chuckle rules. Cool. Well, uh, we could get into uh, our uh, ratings then. Let's see. I, I debated on this because I. It's not. So I'll be on. You know. Straight up, I will say it's not something I remembered. I always remembered seeing the box for this because uh, when, of course, the big VHS craze came on, there was all these video stores on every corner and everything. Um, The one big store that was close to where I lived, they had all kinds of stuff, including foreign movies and everything. And I I always remembered seeing this box, but I never rented it. I don't know why. Uh, so I can't say that you know the marketing of it, the the box and everything appealed to me, and I was like, "Hey, what is this?" You know, but I didn't get it. Knowing now what I know, um, I will say I will probably never watch this again, <laughs> and I won't seek. <laughs> I, you know, I'm open minded, but um, if we weren't doing this for the show, uh, I wouldn't probably have. I, I if I would have watched it not knowing what it was and then watched it, I probably would have been like, you know, just like I am right now, you know, thinking the same things, but I wouldn't watch it again. And I probably wouldn't go out. I'm not going to go out and start watching cyberpunk movies because of this. And I'm not going to go out and seek out like a lot of stuff of this nature, but because of it was so different. And because I think it was kind of cool that, you know, the guy went out and did something that was something like I've never seen before. Mm-hmm. I'd probably give it about a seven. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm I'm right there too. Uh, Which is weird because it's a high rating, but like I said, I I I'm not 
I wasn't like, you know, I'm not sitting there like, okay, it's a seven. I'm going to, man, I, I want to eat this stuff out. I really thought it was the greatest thing in the world and I really enjoyed it or whatever. I just, from an artistic perspective. It, it made you think. And that's, yeah. that's the point. It's not, it's not empty violence. It's not empty, uh, you know, mm-hmm. gore. It, 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 at least maybe we're reading too much into it. At least it, maybe, maybe that's the point of it. Maybe it's just a, <laughs> just a, a fucked up story. Yeah, I thought it was. In, I just thought it was just interesting. But yeah, I mean, in, in this for me, it's not a well-made movie. It's obvious, like I said, that this is done on a shoestring budget by a guy that just wanted to put this together. It seems like a, a an an art project, an art right. thing, as opposed to trying to put out something that's going to sell tickets. And, um, and considering that it was only an hour long, to yeah. me, it 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 felt more like just like. Uh, uh, an art project, not like a f- somebody going out and saying, "I'm going to make a full length, you know, hour and a half, two hour movie." Yeah. I, like I said, I I couldn't have went that much longer. Yeah, with it, this it, movie it's than sixty seven minutes, sixty seven minutes long, and it feels it feels longer. Um, right. But not necessarily a bad thing. But it, I think it was smart to keep it the length that it was. I well, did. There's, there's hardly any dialogue at all. Yeah, it, you know, it, you're just it's a visual spectacle. It lost steam for me for the last 15 minutes or so. That, that yeah, me final too. Climax I was talking about. Um, I'd give it a 6.75 out of 10. It's worth seeing. Not one you're going to revisit a whole lot just because it's right. like I said, it's grating. But it made me think about you know the thematically speaking. Which you know, a lot of the shit that I watch doesn't, <laughs> except for Wizards of the Demon Sword, because yeah. I was really thinking about society after that one and, and how right. the fuck this could get, ever get made. But, um, <laughs> so yeah, we're right on the same page there. So I, I, I honestly, when, as I was watching this one, maybe it was the other one. When I was watching one of these, I was just like, I know, I know the kind of movies you gravitate towards, uh-huh. and I was like, this is totally out of his wheelhouse. He's probably like, what the fuck have I done? <laughs> I was, honestly, and I'll be honest with you. When I, but well, well, I'll save some of it for the next one. Okay, yeah. The I in the '90s, in late high school and through college, this is the kind of stuff I. This is the kind of filmmaking. This is the kind of I, I watched this anime. I watch. I, I saw these kinds of music videos. The music, like Nine Inch Nails and Skinny Puppy, and all those industrial bands. This is the kind of stuff. This this the look that, that this movie was going after was the kind of like. Things that I was interested in, mm-hmm. um, and we'll we'll get into more of that when we talk about Rubber's Lover. So, um, yeah, the, the six point seven five and a seven uh, sounds like a recommend from both. It is. On I that. rated it higher than you. You did. Jesus. <laughs> the end was enough for to bump it down for me because I, I would have been like a seven point five otherwise. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I did. I, I I thought that they didn't. It was like. Uh, I don't I like, know if I would say conventional or whatever. Like it, when they they like they strapped that end on there, I didn't. I just didn't like where it went. Yeah, and I, I mean, I like that idea that they present at the very end. But I, more for me, it was like the the fight stuff. I didn't. I yeah. Like, eh, whatever. So yeah. Um. Yeah. So let's take another break, and we'll come back and do a. Ooh, we'll do a another one that's probably I didn't. I was not expecting it after watching Iron Man. Uh, probably a little more even out there. Uh, Rubber's Lover. We'll be right back. Hi, this is famous Hollywood producer, Robert Evans. You know, I've made a lot of powerful enemies during my time in Hollywood. 
By the time I pushed Steve McQueen in front of a moving car on the set of The Getaway because he was macking on my lady, Allie McGraw. But I've made one great friend, a boffo friend, if you will, since I retired. It's called Show Show, and it's the best fucking movie podcast ever. It's even better than cocaine, which I would know a lot about. Visit Show Show at showshow.podomatic.com or search Show Show, all one word, in the iTunes store. Back from break. Rubber car there. Eh? Eh? <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, we're back. Um, that band was Enon. Uh, and I, I was saying to Zama while we were breaking there um, that s- somebody actually asked me to uh, start putting the, the music that we use in the show in the show notes. So, I think I'll start doing that. Um, that sounds like a good idea to me, Drew. Duff de Rose, baby. In the Omni and Atlanta. <laughs> All right, so next movie up. Another OTC pick, obviously. Another <laughs> What the Fuck <laughs> Japan, obviously. <laughs> it's 1996's Rubber's Lover, directed by Shozen Fukui. This one, well... I'm going to challenge you here, since this one doesn't have a synopsis. I've already got it covered. There you go. I'll let you do that then, and I'll take the lead. Okay, and the way that I'm covering this, because there is no synopsis on Imbda, which is actually sometimes a good thing, because their synopsis sucks. Um, But it does have plot keywords, and so to do the synopsis, I'm just going to read the plot keywords. (laughs) Craze, Rubber, Madness, Japan brutality, violence, human guinea pig, surrealism, 1990s, I don't know why that's in there, uh, Asia, sex, fetish, Japanese, human experiment, and metamorphosis. And I think that about says it all. <laughs> daddy I think it does. And the 1990s thing, and I'll get, I'll get into this, uh, it actually is a very, it has a very 90s feel. Um, the uh, this one I can go through my notes a little better. Not um, any '90s I ever lived in, baby. <laughs> well, the uh, <laughs> you're you're immediately greeted in this movie with a full body arterial spray, which I'm not sure that I've seen before. Not really an arterial spray, obviously, but a, a guy a guy is injected with some things that he probably shouldn't be, and uh, <laughs> basically just starts spraying blood all over the room. Um, in this movie, uh, the there's a, it's it's not really explained why, but there's a corporation that is trying to 
I guess, induce psychic abilities into people by injecting them with a couple different things, one of which is ether, and the other which is one, something they call the dynamite drug diamond. And they never say what that is, I don't think. but um, And they, they do say several times that rectal absorption works faster. <laughs> if that gives I you, agree with that. If that gives you an idea. Um, you know, like uh, with the... Uh, with Tetsuo also, uh, the, this contrasty film I think adds a lot to the effect. The um, it looks it looks nice, uh, as, you know, especially on the mechanical parts that are in the film. Um, this one doesn't actually have people becoming machines, but it has a lot of, you know, ridiculous looking giant machinery in this lab- laboratory. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I thought after I watched Tetsu, I thought we might actually go a week without showing tits in a movie. Um, oh I, no! I don't think there were there was nudity in Tetsuo. I don't I don't think so. But oh, there was nudity. Was there? Yeah. I don't remember. But you know, it's too bad the tits this time uh, come with a pretty harsh rape scene, which is immediately followed by the rape victim starting to lick herself clean before gagging. And then a dude in a speedo flexing while naming his his various muscle groups. That was my favorite part of the entire movie. It's, it's, it's it was a, just so uh, it, it just like was just all of a sudden for no reason. <laughs> it's a it, it, this movie gets very nonsensical at times. Um, like Tetsuo, it, it also uh, explores like humans going beyond their limitations and. I guess being infected by technology in some way. But like I said, with this one, they're trying to, this company is trying to, they're kidnapping people and trying to make them into something they aren't, um, which usually ends up killing the person. Um, They mentioned that wrapping the person makes them unable, their skin unable to breathe, which induces REM and makes them more like open to whatever drugs they're forcing into their body. And I gotta say, the gun that they use to inject the drugs is pretty awesome. Mm. It reminded me of the drill dick from Protetsuo, but yeah, yeah. they put these little frozen capsules inside, and it has a syringe on the end, but it just it spins like it's like a what is that thing called that separates blood, like a uh, it's not centrifuge centrifuge yeah, yeah yeah it's like a centrifuge gun fucking smart a, man yeah you're smarter than me <laughs> um, it's very it's very cool looking. They drop these little frosty inserts in, and the barrel rotates around. One dude, I'm not sure why. Maybe they're doing the rectal absorption, but they just stick it like right in his crotch instead of his head, like they usually do. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it seemed like it was. I thought it was more going into his like. It, it, it seemed looked like it was going more into the dick region, yeah, or the yeah. nuts region, than it was the butthole region. <laughs> Uh, there is a there's a classic line in it where a guy is chasing uh, a girl and he says, "I will suck your brains out and fuck your empty head." Um, I've used that line before. <laughs> it's a good pickup line. Um, I, there's a lot of great images in the film. This, and I I posted a couple videos on music videos on our Facebook group um, and a couple Nine Inch Nails videos that this really reminded me of. Um, and this is the kind of music and stuff I was—I said I, I mentioned I was into this, uh, in particular the Happiness and Slavery Nine Inch Nails video that was, you know, it's universally banned. It's got this guy um, Bob Flanagan who was more or less—he's kind of a famous masochist. Uh, he had performance art where he would just like nail his dick to stuff and put yeah. stuff through his lips. And um, this guy was had a chronic 
disease uh, and use that. What uh, did he? I can't remember what he had. Cystic fibrosis. Cystic fibrosis. Yeah. yeah. Um, which would eventually, you know, be the death of him, and use that as like, I guess, the jumping-off point for the the points that he would make about being a masochist and being ill all the time. And um, there's a documentary that uh, that Aaron mentioned on our group called "Sick" about him that I want to see, but um, you know, I plan on watching hopefully today. But the um, the that lifestyle and and I watched uh, one of the special features on the DVD is the director kind of answering some questions and where the idea one of the questions was where the idea for this movie came from um, and he dabbled a bit in the S and M culture in Japan which not uh, he he wouldn't he didn't consider himself a sadomasochist but you know was interested mm-hmm. and he, uh, he talked about this rubber jacket that you would wear and it said he talked about how dangerous it was to wear. By yourself because you could actually like suffocate. Yeah. Um, and that he tried it on and he said it was it was horrific. Like he he talked about how uncomfortable it immediately was and had to get it you know help get it off and um, and that's kind of where the idea of this came from. And he also talked to a bunch of psychics, you know, people that could you know supposedly bend spoons and stuff like that. And both of these were going on at the same time. And this is really where the idea of this movie came from. Um, after hearing that, it made me realize maybe this movie doesn't have as much to say about society as the last one. That maybe <laughs> maybe this is just a collection of like what the fuck is going on. Mm-hmm. Um, the and, and that's that's how it, it felt to me too. Yeah, well, like, we'll see. Back to the happiness and slavery video. That is, there, it's a a video of Bob Flanagan seemingly getting or well, feeding himself to this kind of smart machine. Um, and it's a point. I mean, if you listen to the lyrics of the song, it makes sense. But um, you know, the video is banned because it shows the guys cocking balls. And I was I was really obsessed with this video when I saw it the first time in the '90s because it's this guy comes in and he's you know wearing a suit and tie and everything, and and he just looks like this everyday guy. And I didn't know who he was then, but he's written a lot of books and everything. But um, but he's got like this his pubic region is tattooed, and I was like, whoa, what the fuck? What is going on? And this guy's like willingly doing this, and it really looked like he was in pain, which who knows if he was or not. But um, so anyway, the uh, back to the this film, um, it, a lot of the scenery, a lot of the way it was shot, reminded me of this kind of culture, this industrial music culture, that kind of thing that that was kind of a popular, I guess, counterculture for a while in the '90s. It was a very uh, you know, after after grunge, when a lot of the electronica and stuff became bigger, um, mm-hmm. you know, bands like Ministry and, like I was saying, Skinny Puppy, like Throbbing Gristle earlier, they kind of paved Glenn the Campbell. way. What's that? Glenn Campbell. Glenn Campbell. They kind of paved the way for a kind of a even a bleaker kind of subculture here where, you know, there were films, there was, you know, the anime, the um, music, that kind of thing. Um, the In this particular one, you know, there's... There's this really cool scene with like smoke clearing around knuckles on a on a chair. Um, there's two women, which is this, this scene didn't make a lot of sense, but two women writhing around. With kind of they have these like machines strapped to their crotches for whatever reason. They're on the floor of an elevator. Um, and there's a more simpler, there's a simpler scene with a bald guy on a car phone. Like I thought it was really neat the way it was upshot um, from mm-hmm. the floor yeah, of the car. Um, the uh, there's a lot of parallels in this movie as as well with 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 Akira, um, 
as far as like once this kind of once they finally get their concoction right and this guy actually unlocks his psychic abilities the movie really fucking goes way out after that uh when i mean not that it wasn't already but when people start like seeing things that might not be there and um people's clothes just change randomly and uh stuff like that but the guy like they escape and the guy starts having headaches headaches and dizziness just like you know in, a, in akira when mm-hmm. the main character one of the main characters tetsuo who all of a sudden had this you know, kind of, I guess, psychic or telekinetic power unlocked in him. He uh, always had to have these like military grade drugs to quell these awful headaches he would have. Right. And it's the same, very same thing here. This guy would just all of a sudden fall down, and um, he would need, you know, more of the ether or whatever to kind of. Yeah, it's an addiction. Addi- yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, an addiction. And I mean, I, maybe, maybe you know, back to we're talking about the different aspects of society and stuff. Maybe this is uh, this is purely a film on fetishism and being addicted to it and going it going too far with an idea and and that kind of thing. So maybe the director's you know experience with the rubber jacket, for instance, mm. you know, he had the interest, but realized once he actually dabbled in it that it was too far and he had to you know. Yeah. It wasn't really for him, but too far for him. Whereas other people, <laughs> yeah. But seriously, I mean, yeah, that, that, that's like, uh, like you, you know, fetishism or whatever. Um, you know, you might, you know, without going out there too far. Uh, you know, like I said, you might like smacking your girlfriend on the ass, but uh, you don't want to take a razor blade and cut her and suck the blood, or or take a whip and actually beat her until she has giant worm-like welts on her ass, you know? Right, right. So that's too far for you, but there are some people out there that are like, oh, you know, yeah, unless I draw blood, I don't, you know, it's not, you know, it's like, what? Say what? Uh, this movie is unrelenting as well, and a lot of the times doesn't really make sense what's going on. Um, uh-huh. The, as I'm watching this, well, first of all, I got to say, there's there's enough fog in this movie to make Fulci roll over in his grave. <laughs> the um, uh, as I'm watching this, I felt like I was enjoying it more than Tetsuo, but after con- like reflecting on it and after talking about Tetsuo, it's like I feel like it might have switched. All right. Um, this movie is definitely more fucked up than Tetsuo, which just says a lot, but. <laughs> Uh, there's some a lot of really bizarre things going on here, and um, it's it's not super well acted. But if anybody can that can pull off uh, like the screamy overacting, it's the Japanese. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's something yeah. about Japanese being screamed by somebody just ah, it just it it make it sounds good in Japanese. So um, I, I don't want to keep going. I want to I want to hear what you thought of this one because well, I think, I think you might have felt a little differently. Yeah, I um, this one. I didn't like as much. Yeah. Uh, I I hate to break it down to this point, but I, I've said several times on the show I'm not like a big horror fan, mm-hmm. and there were parts of this where I, I I when I was watching and I thought it just reminded me of torture porn, yeah. what, what they call torture porn, and um, I know I I don't know that's just the the the, the feel that I got out of it was like just shock for shock's sake. Yeah. And um, I think that they could have, uh, the, the actual story uh, could have been a lot more interesting without all the 
I mean, it was, like I said, just gratuitous for gratuitous sake. Just you know, yeah. I, I, I the, when you said about the screaming, it just. I mean, literally, I when I was taking my notes, I actually just wrote down, okay, this is get. It's just getting all. It's literally getting on my fucking nerves to where I was just kind of like I'd turn it off and be like, okay, God, Jesus Christ, you know. Like I said, the <laughs> other one was an hour long, and this one was like hour and a half. Hour and a half, and it it went, you know, even further. Um, <laughs> I've already, I've already, uh, let slip my, uh, if, if I had an NVT was uh muscle monster, uh, <laughs> that was so out of, out of the blue. And I just, I was like, it just, I don't know what it was. This guy is just like some fucking narcissist. He starts, um, you know, but the, the sadism and stuff like that, I think, it disturbed me in parts and the parts that disturbed me were, were, weren't as much like the really gory weird shit, but it was more the, um, when they would show somebody that was just like helpless yeah, and the guy's like, uh, completely out of his mind. He's helpless. He's strapped down. He's got the suit on, whether it was the rubber suit or the one that looked like the mummy suit. And they're just, you know, have no compassion or anything, for another human being and uh and even to the in some parts of it it was like they were just uh devoid of any feelings at all for another person who's suffering or whatever i mean but I guess then there's it, other parts where they're actually like getting off on it and if, uh, if, if, if you can maybe see it like <laughs> whoa that was sorry. a really loud one sorry, the sorry. um if you could uh, maybe see it like a, a being parallel to the last film with you have a corporation on one side and what they do to these people just for their own means on right. the other. Um, I mean, that's kind of... I'm not, I'm not saying... It, 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 it touches on this. And, 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 and Yeah, I mean, I realize it's this movie is a fetishistic like display. It is. It has some thematic elements that go, you know, that you can explore. But for the most part, this is about the visuals. Right, and and that's the thing, like, like the, the the corporation and them using someone, and uh, and even even the sadism and stuff like that. Okay, you can do that, but it was just too, it was just too much. Yeah, and it was just too much for too much sake, you know. And and that's the kind of stuff like uh, whether it's like hostile or movies like that. I I never I just. I've seen them and they don't do anything for me. And that's why I didn't feel as much like that in the other one in yeah. Tetsu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Iron Man. Um I I I don't know I don't know how to put it, but I just maybe it was because I watched that one and then watched this one and and I had just kind of been overloaded with it and was <laughs> like, okay, I've had enough. But um if, it, if with with this one more so than the other one, right. if uh, you 100%. don't if you don't associate or connect in some way with the visual they're showing you, you're not going to get behind this one. The and other I, one, the other one, you don't have to be on board as much with what the film looks like. Right. Um, this one I appreciate more than like I, now for me I like Hostile, but this one has a more creative approach to the way this thing is portrayed you know with the like well with the guy that they finally uh she uh what's his name um shimika the guy they finally figure out how to unlock his right. psychic abilities and he, yeah the suit that they put on him initially 
is I, I, I thought it was really neat because they the complete have this rubber weird, suit with yeah, the head, and the gas yeah. mask like type thing, and you could see yeah. videos of his eyeballs down by his waist, and I yeah. thought that was really awesome. I wish he kind of kept that around longer. Yeah, that was a that was a uh, fetishist wet dream yeah, on that yeah. with the rubber shit, yep. PVC crap, and but the, um, I. The one part that I thought was just, I was like, what the fuck? Okay, and I know it's a what the fuck movie, and it's a fetish movie, and, and, and uh, you know, everything. But uh, the girl that was, um, like, the assistant, yeah, I just didn't even get her part at all. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, she just starts, when she was slapping the piss out of the guy, and, you know, came and gave him the big injection. I mean, she, it was just basically like a fetish kind of pixie sadist little chick in thigh highs yeah thrown in there thrown in there just to throw her in there yeah i could see that i mean and the director in his interview talked about how how this movie was screened it was not at theaters it was a late night kind of thing where you know people that knew what it was were coming to see it and even then he said people would walk out of the theater like disturbed (laughs) i definitely would um would be interested in hearing like the director's commentary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you I know, don't think he gives commentary. I don't. I don't know that he speaks English. This, this right. It was just an interview in a. In oh, like you just a, read it. Well, you know, I'll definitely look that up because I, I would be interested in hearing, you know, his perspective and stuff okay. like that. This is definitely one that I would never watch again. I right. mean, and and um, but it it wasn't like I mean I've seen movies that um. What was the one uh, irreversible, uh, or something that has like with the with the the really bad rape scene and stuff like that that really disturbed me and bothered me? Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, you know, uh, Sallow, One Hundred and Twenty Days of Sodom was like that too. Uh, this one didn't disturb me like that. It didn't stick with me. It didn't. It didn't like. Um, there, there was the the part at the beginning when when the one guy in the kind of the mummy thing was was uh, strapped down and he was like out of his head and everything and and they were just being so indifferent to him while they were doing all this shit to him it kind of bothered me a little bit but like I said it it was almost like a I hate to go back to the word because it's so overused torture porn thing that kind of stuff doesn't it doesn't really disturb me it became I I'll tell you honest to God it be, it became really annoying. Yeah. I mean, just like, you know, every, I just seemed like it was seen from one scene to the next to the next of someone with their eyes rolling up in their head, screaming with spittle coming out of their mouth and, and, uh, you know, pus or pustules and their veins popping and just, just like sensory overload of all that shit. And then after a while, it just becomes like it, it just becomes like meaningless because if, if you see a movie, Say they have a movie uh, of this type, and uh, you they show like a scene where the guy's strapped down like that, and they're doing that stuff to him, and they give you a glimpse of that, and you're like, "Holy!" Uh, there was a movie with uh, I hate to say a Charles Bronson fucking movie, but it was the Evil That Men Do, and at the very beginning, um, there's a uh, I think he was maybe like an ex Nazi, mm-hmm. and he's teaching uh, South America, a South American country, teaching their troops uh, how to torture people. And they have a guy hanging from like uh, naked, uh, sitting on like this trapeze, handcuffed to it or whatever, and he's showing him how to do electrical shock to torture people. And the scene didn't last, you know, but just a, maybe a couple of minutes. And then you didn't see anything like that the rest of the movie. 
but that stuck with me. And even talk, you know, thinking about it now, it stuck with me. This had so much of that that it just was like, okay, here's another scene where they're doing. Here's another one. Here's a, you know, you, if you see a, it's like when people say, I've watched so much. I don't watch horror movies, so or stuff like that. Um, but a lot of our people in our group that watch horror movies so much, nothing bothers them. Nothing affects them. They don't get scared about anything, and they become like almost like jaded. Yeah. And this one almost made me jaded from the word go. Right at first, I was like, oh, my God, that's awful what they're doing to that guy. But by the time it ended, I didn't give a fuck. I was just like, okay, let's get this over with. It's just It just became monotonous to me. I it, 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 bore, it, it literally got to the point where it bored me. I could, with, for me, this movie, and like I touched with with the music video stuff, or with the music that I listened to, or that mm-hmm. kind of thing, it it almost had a nostalgic feel for me. But and like I said, it was very '90s, and I I shit can. And anybody you know that I work with that ever listens to the show, they they laugh about. Well, they always ask me like certain things about the '90s, like oh, the fucking '90s were awful. <laughs> uh, but there's certain aspects of the '90s that I do have a nostalgic feeling for, and this is one of them. This is it's this kind of this fetishistic uh, behavior and stuff is not something I've ever partook in or even wanted to. Mm-hmm. But the culture itself has always been interesting to me. Yeah, it's in, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, and so for me, watching this, it was almost like oh, okay, uh, I've seen something like that before, or. Or you know, and I th- I felt it I found fa- I found it more interesting, and it didn't bother me like that. That not or sorry, didn't become monotonous for me. I I enjoyed this movie more, like visually speaking. Um, it was kind of a mess uh, as far as the narrative goes, but the um, I know I liked what I saw. So, mm-hmm. um, well we'll go ahead and we'll 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 rate it. Um, like like I was saying the um. Not it's not very well acted, and it doesn't make a lot of sense at times. It does have an underlying story that's not solid. I'm more of a visual person when it comes to media. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I absorb things better if I can see it, especially if I'm impressed by what I see. I don't think this is a better movie, which is this is going to be weird. I don't think it's a better movie than Tetsuo, but I liked it more. So I, I'm going to give this a seven. Out of ten, this is worth seeing if you are if if go and watch a couple Nine Inch Nails videos from the nineties. If you like what you see there, you'll you'll probably enjoy this. It might get monotonous for you, but this is worth watching once if that's that's your bag. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's a better movie than Tetsuo, but I enjoyed watching it more. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's it for me. A seven for me. Uh, I'm a little bit torn. I but I'm going to say four point five. I was torn between a four and a five, so I'll go in the middle. Um, I just I can't say that I enjoyed anything other than the muscle monster, <laughs> and it just was like I said. I think it was just too much, uh, and um, just. Too much shock just for shock's sake, and it, it's almost like sensory overload. And 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 I'll be honest with you, I think that maybe it did. Maybe watching Tetsuo first, uh, and then watching this, I was probably okay. You know, this is just it's Tetsuo was short, and it had uh, some of the similar type of you know the screaming and the 
some gore and stuff like that. But this was longer and more drawn out, and I just felt like they were saying, okay, what what scene? What can we do that's fucked up next? What can we do? Okay, let's do something else fucked up. Now let's do something more fucked up, and let's try and do something more fucked up. And it just didn't float my boat. But it's just not my thing, and it's oh, subject, yeah. subjective, and, you know. Totally fair. Um, you know, that's just the way it goes. Cool. daddy I think we dissected that one a bit. Yeah. That was good. All right. But, you know, I, I, I will say that um, I, I've always said that I'll watch anything. Just, you know, I'll give it a shot. Sure. And now I've given it a shot, and I know that I don't want to watch any of this movies <laughs> anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so uh, thank you, Outside the Cinema yeah. Bill, Outside the Cinema Chris, for those picks. Um, let's take a break. We'll change it up a little. Let's take a break and then come back and do feedback. How does that sound? That sounds good to me. <laughs> nice change of pace or something. <laughs> we'll be right back. Bikaye. Are you tired of film podcasts where the hosts exist in a constant, blissful state of agreement? I mean, the main, the main characters are two of the dullest main characters I have ever encountered in any film. Well, you're in luck. Let me introduce you to Chinstroker and Punter. One is an ex-film student with a penchant for David Lynch and art cinema. The other is a man on the street. Listen in perplexed and horrified terror as we tear apart one film a week. Just really It's isn't. not visually striking. No. I'm just, just getting confirmation. It's just in That's the third time, though. I mean, I must, is this on? You can find us at chinstrokerversuspenter.podomatic.com. So come and share the victory. If you could fuck any man in film, who would it be and why? My answer is Lance Henriksen. Oh. You, you wouldn't tell. He looks like somebody... <laughs> He looks like somebody who can keep a secret. Back from the break. Little nine inch nails for your ear holes. The break. Uh, all right, we got some feedback this week. Um, first of all, we're going to go back to our uh, contest from the Exiled Show. We have officially picked a winner, and all you slackers that did not take part, this is an easy one. I don't know why you didn't do it. You know why they didn't do it? Because they're a son of a bitch. You sons of bitches. You motherfuckers, why didn't you call? <laughs> uh, we did get, I had to get that in there this week. We did get uh, one entry into the Battle Royale that um, he's by default the winner. We're, we're calling yes. it. We're calling it early. Um, uh, Alan wrote in. Um, he, uh, he gave a little email, too. He said, hello, Zaman Loaf. Long-time listener from way back at episode two. A whole month. Long-time listener indeed. But yeah. first-time feedback-e. 
not that it's really feedback more than a stab at the contest more than a stab at the contest I think it might be a pot of gold, the old Irish measurement, which would be roughly a ton of gold for the rest of the world. Take care, keep up the good work, and slow down on the movie watching. Your eyes might burst scanner style. So yeah, Al, Alan. Alan. You are the winner. You will be getting. You are the man. There it is. If you, if, if. If somebody else had entered that, you might have been the recipient of that song. But now all you do is get to listen to it and know that it's not yours. You motherfucker. Oh, and you get the poster, too. Yeah. Next time, let me tell you something, people. I'm, uh, if you have a battle royal and you got one guy standing in the middle of the ring and none of you other motherfuckers will even come to the ring and give it a shot, daddy-o. Alan is like Andre the Giant. You're all you're just you're cowering in the locker room Ugh. with your uh, tea back uh, thongs on, rubbing Brutus Beefcake down, Daddy O, <laughs> while Andre stands in the middle of the ring getting all the glory. Awesome. So yeah, um, Alan, uh, if you could uh, email us a um, little contact info for you, where to send that send that off to, and we'll get it out to you as soon as we can. I'm going to email you too, just in case you don't hear this in time. Uh, so so yeah, congrats there, buddy. Uh, we got a couple emails. Well, one's not uh, the other one's not really voicemail, but I wanted to mention it. Um, uh, a listener, Matt, wrote in. Uh, sorry, Matt, I cannot. I don't know how to exactly to pronounce your online name. It's Walpurgis Victim. Walpurgis Victim. W a l p u r g i s Victim. Um, or Matt. He signed it Matt, so I'm calling him Matt too. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt is starting uh, with a friend of his starting a podcast soon called Skeleton Closet, um, and he was just wanting us to send a promo. But I wanted to go out, go ahead and put it out there uh, that you know Matt's a listener and um, he's starting a podcast as well. He didn't say here what it was going to be, but he said it should be up and running by the first of October. Um, so yeah, uh, we'll probably be getting a po- uh, um, promo for him soon. But you know. There are the, are they the ones that are going to cover nothing but Japanese cyberpunk movies? Uh, it, it very well could be. They're oh, going to do geez. Rubber's Lover one through twelve. I'm on it. Zom is all over it, like mm. rubber on a screaming Japanese person. Yeah. All right, and uh, we did get one feedbacker email. Uh, this is from Maurice. Um, it says, "Hello, Zom and Loaf. I'm writing from Melbourne." hometown of Terry Frost, and I've been enjoying the Silver and Gold episodes. I've even watched Boxcar Bertha after your review of the film. I wasn't going to miss an opportunity to watch Barbara Hershey. Mmm. And that I did not put that one in, although I would have if he didn't put it there. Mm. I'm downloading the Michael Perret episode as I type this. Zom, why was there no contribution from you to the fourth anniversary episode of Paleo Cinema? I... I <laughs> let me tell you so. I swear to God, I swear to the living God above that I I swear I thought I fucking called in and left feedback, but it may have been a fever dream. Uh oh. And you know, I somebody I, was injecting you with ether and DDD. I don't know what happened. Maybe I'm on the shits or something. But <laughs> or you've got uh, the shits. I called in, and I thought, of, but you know what? Now that I think about it. I may have called somebody <laughs> else's voicemail Oops. and left a message because I made a point. Because Terry is the 
is the main my main man, Daddy O, and we are attacking, and we'll be attacking again Saturday. So I'm going to be making it up to all you all zomophiles in the Terra Frost of the Paleo Cinema by coming on and being strong and doing a strong show. Um, I I was going to mention that to uh, Mr. Frost, the Frost Giant, that. Um, I left feedback, but why didn't uh, he play it? But I thought maybe he just didn't like me motherfucker. You <laughs> son of a bitch. You motherfucker. So uh, Maurice is also jumping into the podcast world. He says, I've started a podcast. Only one episode out there, but I'm stockpiling a new bunch so I can keep them coming regular like Bran. Uh, <laughs> I just realized <laughs> oh. that was a shit joke. Uh, it's called Love That Album, or Due to My Ineptness, Love That Album. All one word. I don't know what the difference is, but it's all one word. Basically, I guess it's one word, love that album. Basically, it's me doing what you guys do, but talking about albums that I love with friends who share the same passion in, uh, you know, for music instead of films. Could you send me a promo for Silva and Gold so I can play blah, blah, blah. Uh, I've worked out that most of the podcasts I listen to are film-related instead of music-related, so... There's a little change of pace. He said, if you want to hear the sh- uh, one show I have up, it's at the blog site listed below. It's called, oh, you can look at, you can find it at Love That Album into iTunes or lovethatalbum.blogspot.com. So, yeah. yeah. Cheers, Maurice. So, thank you, Maurice, for that. I got a big fan base in Australia. We do. Baby. It's awesome. Home of Roger Ward. Tan it up, down under. Love, love some Roger, and we love you. People of the future in Australia. Girls on film. Woo! Girls on film. Woo! All right. Got some voicemail. Familiar voice again. When it comes to talking to the loaf and the zom, Metal Mikey waits for nothing outside of catching up with shows, which is why pretty much my subject matter for this call is kind of behind. But that's just because I'm kind of behind on listening to your shows, baby. But. I wanted to leave my thoughts on the train-themed episode, particularly one hobo with a shotgun. Now, Zom, I respect you. You're one of the smartest and most intellectual homeboys on the marketplace. And very handsome. we have to take a bit of a diverging path with this one. I'm sorry. I really did love hobo with a shotgun. To me, it was just a whole lot of fun to watch. Just the visual sense. I mean, it really is just basically the trauma film I've never seen. And it's actually probably one of the most legitimate trauma-feeling films that even the company has not put out. So I get high marks. And what? I love the low. The speech they delivers to the newborn infants in the hospital, that is just some powerful gut-check stuff from <laughs> a surprisingly goofy genre film up until that point. So, yes, um, take no offense. We just have to disagree. I agree to disagree at this point. Uh, what other notes do I have? Oh, yes. Uwe Boll. I kind of feel that I was misquoted on my thoughts on Uwe Boll. Personally, am I going to say he's a stellar filmmaker? No, but is he actually one of the better exploitation-ish, just sheer-out entertainer, entertainment directors that we have out there in this very day, I say absolutely. And two that I would particularly recommend of Uwe Boll's category would be, one, In the Name of the King, A Dungeon Siege Tale, because you can see Jason Bloody Statham as a farmer <laughs> named Farmer who 
save the kingdom from evil wizard Ray Liotta. Because, you know, Ray Liotta, <laughs> wow. he strikes me as the epic wizard that talks in a Bostonese accent. <laughs> so he's going, wizzy-bibbity-goo, zap, magic lightning up your ass. Yeah, that's how it is with In the Name of the King. And also, I would recommend Tunnel Rats, because you get two birds with one stone in Tunnel Rats. What? You get Uwe Boll directing it, and... And you do get a bit of Michael Pere in the movie. Dark side's I'm just out saying. I am just saying. <laughs> and one last thought. When it came to the Exiled review, which I should check out because I do have Vengeance at home from a rental place, and I'm intending on watching that, and if Vengeance does tickle my fancies, I might want to explore more of Johnny Toe's work. But one last thought. It's not even because of the movie. It's because of a subject that was brought up. Namely, Shitbeth. What? Some. You brought this up when it came to skinnier women. Shit Both breath. you and the Loaf brought this up to oh. women that should not be as thin as they are. But they have <laughs> shit breath. I'm speaking from personal experience in that, you know, I'm not going to argue with Kevin Nash's philosophy. I mean, hey, big girls need loving, too. Kevin Nash, big sexy, he knows how the score goes with that. But a lot of the bigger girls I've been with in... Uh-oh. I think he might have gotten cut off there. That might have been a good thing. Well, he, we might lose some female <laughs> listeners if he continues. He, he, he did call back. Let's see if this is the continuation. Son of a bitch. This motherfucker. Metal Mikey, again. I feel accomplished now because this is the first time I've called Silver and Gold and has been cut off. <laughs> okay, good. It means that my thoughts it are my rolling fault. out so fast and so furious that your voicemail cannot comprehend. But continuing on with my thoughts. Bigger girls I've dated in the past, I kind of associate them with shit breath. Mm. I have no idea why. One instance in particular, in I suspect it's because she was a pretty heavy smoker. Through a DVD. And I could tell she was a pretty heavy smoker because <laughs> of the vast assortment of cigarette packs that she had in her place. That'll do it. And due to the fact that the only way her teeth could have been even more yellowed and browned <laughs> oh, at that point was if it was indeed a piece of corn that she just stuck between her lips. <laughs> but anyways... And gold. Oh <laughs> what can I say? I love your show. Metal Mikey approves of your show. It's hilarious. And baby, baby, that makes me back to my horrendous Dusty Rhodes impersonation to counteract your Dusty Rhodes impersonation. And by the way, you could ask Sapphire, God rest her soul, about how Andre the Giant would handle Doga style. He would just ram it all up in Sapphire's joint. Just ram it up. Ram it up, baby. Woo. Anyways, I will talk to you both later. You take it easy and keep up the par excellence because I look forward to catching up to your show soon. All right. See you later. Good sirs. Bye. I have one thing to say. I, who what? the fuck took Metal Mikey out of his rubber fucking sensory deprivation suit? <laughs> Because they gave him too much goddamn ether in anus, Daddy. That was a hell of a fucking voicemail, baby. The uh, the uh, okay, I got two things. Um, Ray Liotta, how the fuck do you go from Goodfellas to fucking um, like Wild Hogs, fucking uh, uh, what was that? Observe and Report, whatever the fuck Michael Mikey was just talking about. God, that guy is just oh, he's Can frustrating you? to watch now. But seriously, looking at Ray Liotta, I bet you he has shit breath. 
Oh, God. He looks like he has shit breath. <laughs> yeah. Wild hogs! <laughs> um, and then the, the Andre thing. You know, I think I would rather see Andre banging uh, King, Kong, King Kong Bundy than uh, Sapphire. Yeah. Well, you know <laughs> what? Uh, I never could... Uh, just... Andre and like a, a normal sized woman, I, that doesn't, it, it just doesn't like even spark even a little chub down below. But he, Andre and like big King Kong Bundy, <laughs> you know, or a woman that was as big as King Kong Bundy, I could be down with that. But you know what? I've seen Ray Liotta's flabby ass several times oh. in movies like uh, that, that fucking. <laughs> turd uh, powder blue where Jessica <laughs> Biel strips which is the only good part of the whole fucking movie he like takes his clothes off and goes walking into the surf and I think I've seen him in a couple other ones maybe the one where he was on the island with the gun that's like an atomic bomb <laughs> remember that one I don't you want it come and get it so and, so are you saying but he's kind of got like a, a jiggly his ass is real white and it's jiggly like almost like jello like it's really out of shape are you saying that Ray Liotta's ass is a flabby sea that could only be parted by Andre the Giant's abnormally large penis? Yes, Andrea. Andre. Andrea the Giant, his his uh, oh my god, transvestite, uh, you know, kind of. Yes, he has ego. the hair is going to be the same except long, and he's gonna have he's gonna look exactly the same just with like makeup, like ridiculously big makeup on, like and blue eyeshadow and and red. Yes, polka dotted. Dress, uh, long curly wig, and, and we all know that Big John Stud was the true giant of professional wrestling. Anyway, Andre'd kick his ass. <laughs> He's dead. Well, they're both dead now. They're both dead. Eh, well, whatever. Who's right. the true giant of professional wrestling right now? Metal Mikey. Metal. That fucker was out of control, man. Mikey. It ought to be Meth Meth Head Mikey. That I mean, dude, my God, he was rattling them off like. He was shaking the ropes, Ultimate Warrior style. Oh my God. Yeah, you could you could the, the nylon things hanging from his arms. Mm. <laughs> I could hear him wisping in the wind. The uh, there's a there's a really I don't remember who he was fighting. My brother and I had one of our bootlegged uh, uh, pay per view tapes from back in the day. And Ultimate Warrior, if if anything was ever besides what he looked like, but if anything was ever a testament to his steroid use, he had a guy in the corner and kicked him repeatedly in the gut. His foot moved so fast like you know most guys will do like fast punches this guy did kick 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 over and over again which would have exhausted any mortal human being <laughs> this guy was on such a roid rush he did not even slow down it was like 10 kicks in a row straight up into this guy's gut and my brother and I used to rewind that and crack up at how funny it was I was like oh my god he doesn't even slow down it's hilarious well from what I understand and this is just or like uh, dressing room rumor ultimate warrior like to uh let's just say take some things that made him speed up um with the keyword being speed oh. up before he came to the ring that would make sense <laughs> wahoo mcdaniel was known for that too uh they said Man, how do you get in the ring and you just fucking just go 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 and you're like non-stop and there's well you know same way in football he started taking a little pill before the game and a little pill at halftime and you know, they, they kind of give you a little bit of energy. I miss Wahoo. Wahoo. He was he used, one of my favorites. He used to fucking chop the nipples off people. It was insane. He chopped the piss out of God. them. God. You know, speaking of fetish fetishism 
and then we'll be wrapping it up because we gotta we gotta bring it all around. Um, we're, anytime we talk about wrestling, to keep our keep, keep our our regular fans that are just movie fans from getting bored, um, it's a fetish kind of a thing because there were several guys like Ronnie Garvin, uh, uh, <laughs> Greg Valentine's dad, Johnny Valentine, and they'd say they would like to get hit for real. Like if you chopped them, they'd mm-hmm. say chop me harder chopped me harder and I, and I think flair was kind of like that too or mick foley where they liked to like the one guy kept saying it was in i think stan hansen's book or something and he said um um he was wrestling johnny valentine and johnny valentine kept saying you know harder 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 and he said all of a sudden he goes i was hitting him as hard as i could and he said he was just like and he would just (laughs) whisper to him harder and he just hauled off and punched him in the face as hard as he could and after the match he thought this guy's gonna fucking want to kill me because he was a rookie at the time he said he got back in the dressing room and he was like great match kid thanks (laughs) and i remember jake the snake talking about chopping ronnie garvin and saying that his nipples would get hard every time he chop him because he liked being hit. Hmm. Now, I think we could have put both of those guys into, <laughs> with Metal Mikey, in a sensory deprivation suit, and Andre the Giant in a dress. This is going to be a great foursome. Yeah. Andre would play the, the fetish girl that would lick, like, Metal Mikey's pustules <laughs> and slap him across the face, you know. <laughs> and then he could feed off of Ronnie Garvin's hard nipples. Where the fuck are we going with this? <laughs> I don't know. There's Move a, on. I'm gonna vote, I'm gonna post a video soon on the Facebook group. Um, actually, it'll probably be up before this episode comes out. But it's called the longest and most epic chop exchange in wrestling history. Uh, uh, somebody else posted this recently, and everybody's Maybe, going woo. No, woo, no, no. Woo. This is it's in Japan. It's Kenta Kobashi and ah. uh, Kensuke Sasaki. Sasaki. These yeah. dudes chop the shit out of each other for seriously like four minutes straight. And they just like they do that whole thing where they just stand there and wait for the next one to come in, mm-hmm. and they give one back. It's it's really funny. So well, um, I know you know you always think about you know you just chop somebody across the chest or something like that. But these like Flair and Ronnie Garvin would chop each other so much that they'd say they'd get like blood blisters. Jesus, and like they would actually like break open. You know when you have a blister and all that pus and water shit comes out, and they'd be like bleeding from the chest from chopping each other. That's that's kind of strange, <laughs> but then again, when you th- when you talk about uh, you know a, a pseudo sport where you know it's commonplace to take a razor blade and cut your flesh, oh yeah, so you can, that's that's when you think about it, that's kind of weird. <laughs> uh, all right, we got one more voicemail. Let's get to it. Bah, 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 bah. Hello, Sylvan Gold Podcast. This is your loyal listener, Jake McLarge Huge. And I'm just calling in, checking in to uh, let you guys know, once again, you guys are doing a fantastic, fantastic job. I'm enjoying your show each and every week. Uh, It's something I very, very much look forward to. So keep it up, guys. You're doing fantastic. But let's get on to the nitty and the gritty uh, first off, I want to end the Mila Yolovich controversy. Mm-hmm. I want to set out a. Uh, I want to offer an olive branch to Mr. Zom as well as Mr. Metal Mikey, the X and Smash of the podcasting world. You know, I don't know which one is which. I guess you guys can decide that. But anyways, um, the thing smush. with Mila, you know, she's just. <laughs> 
it's like, you know, she's she looks like something an Italian Renaissance painter would come up with as for what is considered beautiful. And so because of that, she looks so unrealistic. Like she looks like something that shouldn't be real, that she what? should be some sort of painting or some sort of scientific construction of what something attractive should be. And so because of that, you know, I know I never have a chance with something like that. And usually when something like that enters into my head, I no longer find them all that attractive. So I can't hold it against you guys for, you know, reaching for the stars or anything like that. I'm just, you know, I'm, uh, I, it, there's a, there's a disconnect, I guess. So I, I, I begrudge no one who, who finds the Jovovich attractive. I just, I can't co-sign on that. But anyways, on to the stuff that's actually relevant to what you guys have covered. I really enjoyed your guys' review of Exile. It's a uh, Johnny Toe movie that I really enjoy. So, you know, I always like Johnny Toe. And uh, just wanted to mention a couple of things that you guys kind of mentioned. Uh, you guys kind of talked about how you thought this was a sequel or a prequel. Or Sorry. Something. Watch him fucking answer the... <laughs> The trivia question. <laughs> <laughs> well, then you gotta throw him in the ring, Daddy. Uh, well, the other guy did answer. Son of a bitch! <laughs> like that, it's actually considered a pseudo sequel to one of the movies that made him, that made Johnny Toe, Johnny Toe, so to speak, that made people uh, like kind of recognize him as he's recognized today, so to speak. And that movie is The Mission. Uh, this movie basically centers around a bunch of the characters from the same movie. You know, that's why they sort of have that camaraderie. And it's actually a movie that I like a whole lot. I don't know if I like it more than Exiled. It's kind of a toss-up for me. I know uh, Large William is a little uh, lukewarm on it, but fuck that guy. It's awesome. <laughs> uh, you guys should definitely check out the one fuck that him. Uh, you can get from Netflix. has really dodgy uh, video quality, but, you know, you, you do what you can. The score in it sucks ass, but, you know, other than that, it's fantastic. Uh, you mentioned how Anthony Wong is a bunch of weird shit. Simon Yam is actually a much weirder shit. Like, he's got a hell of a checkered history. I mean, even some of the movies that I've uh, reviewed for him, uh, one being Future Cops, where he's dressed up like Dalsam from Street Fighter in the beginning, and then I also have one called uh, Don't Stop My Crazy Love for You, where he plays like a stalker transvestite which is uh, immortalized with the subtitle that says, you shut my dicky, you are so cruel. You know, he's been in some <laughs> absolute shit. But, you know, he's a fucking great actor. But that's just Hong Kong for you. Um, I have Exiled. That was actually one of the first Johnny Toe movies I ever got. And I actually have, it came in one of the strangest uh, little, like, promo, not really promo, but little, like, DVD packages. It comes, the, the copy that I have comes in a little desk calendar, like a little binder. Like, I'm looking through it right now, and it has little screenshots from the movie, but it also has the 2007 calendar, which is bizarre to say the least. And then it has a little notepad in the back, so I don't know. That's fucking weird, but, you know, that's how it goes. Um, I actually got to see Johnny Toe's new movie up in Toronto uh, a couple weeks back, and the best part about it, he did a little Q&A afterwards, which is pretty rad. And he actually mentioned that Throwdown was his most uh, cherished movie-making experience, which myself and Vishnu got a good kick out of, because at least I know for myself that is my absolute favorite John Toe movie. That's a good if one. you guys loved Exile, 
definitely, 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 definitely check out Throwdown. It's on Netflix. It's fucking awesome. Amazing, amazing stuff. But uh, that's about all I got. Uh, oh, the amount of money Fuck. those guys were uh, uh, trying to get toward the end of the movie is... Uh, I'm not going to tell you because then I'd be telling everybody else and that would defeat the purpose of people having to watch the movie. So, yeah, you guys will not know. I will send you an Thank email. The Lord. But, uh, didn't yeah, the this was awfully rambly and scattershot, so I apologize. I'm still making the call. At the end of the day, <laughs> I guess I could say uh, Exiled is awesome. Mila Dovovich is hot, just not in a way that I care for. And <laughs> you guys are doing a fucking awesome, awesome job. So keep up the good work. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye-bye. Thank you, Mr. McLarge Huge. Uh, yeah, I, I the... appreciate his uh, his uh, sense of decorum and diplomacy in the Mila Jovovich question. <laughs> he is a gentleman and a scholar. He, uh, <laughs> go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say he he hosts uh, the podcast without honor humanity. Um, yes. fails to plug himself. He should do it. Plug away, buddy. Um, so yeah, thanks for that. I need to look up some of those more si- the, some more of those uh, Simon Yam movies. Um, honestly, I haven't seen a lot with Anthony Wong either. So I mean, if anybody's going to be, you know, him and if anybody's going to be a good source to ask where to go, uh, him uh, then and um, John from mm-hmm. uh, from God damn it, the cinema. I made it all the show without a brain fart, and then I just totally lost it. That was I, I was nowhere. That was I was I could have been. I could have been driving just then. I wouldn't have even realized it. Um, so yeah, V Cinema. So, but yeah, check out his podcast. So yeah, thanks for thanks for the the feedback. That was nice. Jake McLarge, huge in the hizzy. That air. Cool, and that's it for our voicemail. Um, we uh, we're gonna do one of our shows again next week. Um, so uh, make sure you come back for that. Uh, next week we're gonna do a kind of a maybe maybe a stretch here. We're doing a. Sur- sur- surrealistic that's hard, that word's hard for me to say surrealistic racism double feature <laughs> yay racism <laughs> yay racism <laughs> we are doing Darktown Strutters 1975 a really a very bizarre uh, black exploitation movie I know Large Williams a fan and uh, uh, Outside the Cinema actually reviewed this about half a year maybe a year ago so um, and then we're going to do, uh, we've both seen it recently and talked about it, but we're going to do a full review of 1969, um, Mr. Freedom, uh, the William Klein movie that's maybe or maybe not on Criterion, which is a weird, a weird one. So yeah, Mr. Freedom and Darktown Strutters next week. Um, thank you. Thank you to everyone who fed back us this week. Um, <laughs> uh, congrats to, uh, to um sorry I've I've just totally lost the name was it yeah Alan to congrats to Alan for actually uh, a- answering the contest um answer uh, question sorry uh you'll be like I said getting that cool exiled poster um oh and uh, uh thanks to Miles uh, a couple weeks ago gave us a nice uh started giving us a shout out on show show mm-hmm. cool so um he was he said he knew what Silva was but he wasn't sure what the gold was. So, my uh, cock ring. Gold. Zom has a very shiny gold cock ring that he gets replated constantly because it gets a lot of wear and tear. That liquid really dulls it up. So, um, the uh, silver and gold. We wanted to do like a. I guess we never even explained it that the the 
the name Silva, obviously, from we stole that outright from Gentleman's Guide. No, no shame here. And um, gold, I mean, Silva is not known for high brow cinema, mm-hmm. so maybe he's one side of one of the uh, spectrum to the gold, to a you know a Mister Freedom. Rob Lowe would be a gold. Uh, maybe maybe even gold could be like wrestling gold. Who knows? Just kind of a play on words there. So we're the gold. But yeah, so check out Show Show outside the cinema again. Thanks guys for giving us the picks. Check out their their show. I know, like the Gentleman's Guide, uh, I think we gave them a real boost, um, so we can give uh, outside the cinema a real boost because I know they're struggling. They really need Youngsters our help. Youngsters so. coming up. They are. They're, I mean, uh, if anybody needs help, it's those guys. So. Um, We'll do all we can for you guys. So, <laughs> send money, send money. Um, so yeah, Darktown Shredders, Mister Freedom, and thanks again to everybody. Uh, make sure to send us feedback. We love it. Uh, voicemail. Our voicemail line is two zero six three three nine sixteen hundred. Our email here is silvagoldpodcast at gmail dot com. You can find us on iTunes or our website silvaandgold.com. dot uh, com. You'll see get to see a cool cover of uh michael Perret on playgirl from last week and um that's a good issue too it was i loved it yeah i'm chafed i wore that shit out um <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's all i got tom you got anything else uh nah, i think i just um uh, i'm played out you're played out played out me too cool well until next time this is Loaf saying Loaf Oot. Bye bye.